The Spanish announce table. All right. Eight. I'm recording on the audio. I am recording on the video. Mm-hmm. I am not shaven and ready to go. I shaved today. Mm-hmm. Just for this. Just for this right here. I shaved for this. And I shaved for this so that you all can see my smooth face. Tom didn't because he's sad, he's depressed. And why is he sad and why is he depressed? I will tell you why, even though you didn't ask. He is sad and he is depressed because he lost the picks of the AEW Revolution. And let me tell you how Tom lost the picks if you listened to last week's episode, which you can find on YouTube, youtube.com slash Spanish Announce Tube. Or wherever you listen to podcasts. Spotify, we're working on. Tom lost these picks because when we would have tied, if you remember, Tom decided to get fancy and wager a point that he lost, which we'll get into later, thereby giving me the win. And Tom, we discussed, we didn't know what the punishment would be. We like to put a punishment on these AEW pay-per-view picks, and I think we came up with one. And Tom, you must now stand here. I mean, I think you're sitting, but I'm and acknowledge sitting. me as the head of the Spanish announce table, your table chief, right here in front of everybody. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The head of the Spanish announce table. It's me, the table chief, and you have to acknowledge it. Mm-hmm. You are mm-hmm. Tim. Yep, I am. The table chief. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. The, the head of the... So the buy-in. The, uh, yeah. the oh, buy-in yeah. match for <laughs> AEW Revolution, it was a barn burner. Let's mm. talk about it. Mm. It was Rio and Thunder Rosa yeah. taking on Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, and originally slated Rebel or Reba, depending on who you ask. Mm. And then that had a last-second change. So, yeah. Rio and Thunder Rosa, they made made it to the match. Dr. Britt Baker, she made it to the match. But Rebel was out with injury. Who is there to replace her? But a Japanese pro wrestling uh, superstar, Maki Ito, who I am not familiar with. Uh, she replaces Rebel. Apparently, she is just the talk of the town in the IWC. She's known as the cutest pro wrestler, which I don't know about because that seems weird. Um, But it was the buy-in match. So we had Rio and Thunder Rosa taking on Dr. Britt Baker and Maka Ito. Uh, What did you think of this match? I, the match is good. I like the match. Um, I, this was everything I think we were ready for it to be, even with uh, Reba Rebel. Um, you know, albeit the curve was this Maki Maka Ito. Is that how we're saying that right? I forget uh, how it was pronounced. We don't fact check. We don't fact check. I don't like this. And I'm not sold. I mean, obviously, I'll give it time because, you know, it's new. But I don't, you know, a theme will develop for me from the evening probably with AEW's love of everything Japan. And I know it's Young Bucks and it's Cody and that's where they made their, you know, and the Kenny Omega are here and Kenny Omega Kenny, and all that. Yeah. And, you know, whatever, it's each their own, but this is too much for me sometimes. And I don't get this. I mean, I know there's some fun things with this character, but I also like, man, are we watching 
12-year-olds wrestle? Like, these are some small folks they keep throwing out here, too, where I'm kind of like, I mean, this feels like somebody might get broken in half. Like, I feel like I'm watching, like, a bunch of Spike Dudleys running out there. Uh, you know what I mean? Does, does that follow? I, I understand that. Now, on one hand, it's like, hey, if you're good, you can't say, sorry, pal, you need to be, you know, 60 pounds heavier or two yeah. inches taller. Well, I'm not I, Vince McMahon. I'm not like, I right. need Hogan and I need, yeah. but like, this is like, come on, my kids are bigger than this. And I almost like feel like I have to explain to people like, no, these are adults. Wait, wait, you'll get a good shot. You'll see. Like, it's so, just weird. Yeah. So yeah. Cause right. Rio, I believe is 98 pounds. Makito is probably not much bigger, maybe even smaller. Uh, I liked the match, but I didn't like the match for it being a tag match of, you know, Britt Baker and mystery partner taking on Rio and Thunder Rosa. That was secondary. I loved, and it even advanced to uh, Dynamite on Wednesday night, and it'll advance even farther to next week's Dynamite. But I love this common thread of Thunder Rosa versus Dr. Britt Baker DMD. This like blood feud that came out of nowhere where Thunder Rosa was the NWA girl and Britt Baker was saying, this is my place. You get out of here. I'm the pretty one. You can take your face paint and go back to NWA. And it's just evolved to where now we got Rio and Nyla Rose and obviously Rebel and then Maki Ito and uh, Sheeta and all of these other characters. But the baseline, the core of of this whole friction, the whole feud is Thunder Rosa and Dr. Britt Baker. And that's what I loved. Uh, after this match, Dr. Britt Baker and Maka Ito, uh, they get the victory. They beat the shit out of Thunder Rosa. That leads to, uh, you know, the save from the baby faces. And then they, you know, leave the ring. And, you know, that sets up our AEW Dynamite match that we'll get to in a second. The one criticism that I will share though about this match is it's one thing to reveal. And we'll get to in a little bit who the mystery signee was, how Paul white said the mystery signee is this person where an American audience for the most part can say like, I know that person Ito or Maki Ito. Again, we don't fact check here. So if we're saying it wrong, tweet the table, let us know. But we don't like the casual pro wrestling fan doesn't know her. So when she does her singing gimmick on revolution, the fuck is that right? Like Excalibur did his best to explain. She was a fired, uh, like American idol, but in, in Japan contestant because of bad attitude. Da, 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 da. Okay. But like have a video package of that, right? Like Dr. Britt Baker can say, you know who my partner is going to be? And then play a package. Now I understand who the person is. So then when they walk out, I'm like, okay, I still don't know why everyone thinks this person is the bee's knees, but at least I'm familiar with who it is, right? That was my thing is too often AEW does the, well, Kenny Omega knows who it is. So don't, shouldn't you? Like you should know who that is. And it's like, okay, but you got to realize how much wrestling I can consume that isn't even down your avenue of your interest, right? I could go down GCW or, or journey pro wrestling and never hear of Hikaru Shida or all, you know, any of these females. So like you got to do a little bit better job of saying, this is the talent. You don't need to beat me over the head with it, but it's still explain to, to me who this is. Yeah. Because I didn't know it all. And again, here I am just faced with this, like, 
like, okay, but you got, yeah, the way they sell it, I think they forget that not everybody watching. And I would venture to say the majority of their fans that watch it, I mean, I don't know, I'm not polling, but by based by the numbers of the American TV audience that they're getting, I can't imagine that many people are also tuning in to the Japanese product to know who a lot of these people are. So I'm sure that was yeah. a, for a large number of viewers, were probably like, who? And it was just a baffling experience. And I will I will say again, just a little bit to give them somewhat uh, of um, forgiveness here. They did have her in the women's revolution uh, or the women's number one contenders tournament. So was not it wasn't as if the, cold. Right. it wasn't completely cold. But again, you only aired those matches on YouTube and you kind of just mentioned it as a pass by on Dynamite. So I'm not saying it was the worst way to you know, per, put this person on a pay-per-view, but again, do a little bit better job of presenting the talent. Anyhow, so let's fast forward, because uh, we'll kind of do this popcorn of uh, talking about Revolution and then fast forwarding to Dynamite. So on Dynamite, after the post-fight uh, scrum that happened, we got Britt Baker, Ito, Nyla Rose taking on Sheeta, Mizunami, and Thunder Rosa. This, I thought, was a little bit funnier. This had a little bit more comic relief where Ito is doing the singing gimmick. All the other girls are fighting. They're punching each other in the face. Yeah, Vicky Guerrero choking Cheetah out with a, uh, a kendo stick. And then she's like, nope, I'm still singing my shit. Like, that's something I can, like, I think is a little bit funny and I can easily digest. It's like, oh, she's an egomaniac, right? Like, I can get behind that kind of a character. Well, but what do you think that, of the triple threat? Is it just a kind of newer version of Jillian Hall? Is it? Well, I mean, you know? yeah, we could. Yeah. Which, hey, look, every gimmick's been oh, done under the sun, right? So, yeah. Right. So, I mean, I get it to some extent. I just say, uh, yeah, it, it, it didn't hit with me. But again, I'm not closing the door and saying, you know what I mean? You know, I'll give it time. I'll give yeah. It time. And, and excuse me, it wasn't yeah. a triple threat. It was a uh, six person tag team match. So. Uh, <sighs> Go ahead. My issue with that then becomes like I, we've talked about AW's women's pro, you know offerings not being you know could use a step up. Now I especially don't want it all just thrown into one singular storyline. You know what I mean? It seems like they're just kind of pulling the whole like bragging rights uh, call and just throwing them yeah. all together. So I'm a little worried about that if I'm being honest. Well, I agree. I I think I think they have two challenges here. One. She does beat everyone, right? So she's beat, True. she's beat Britt Baker. She's beat Nyla Rose. She beat Mizunami, which we'll get to in a little bit. Uh, I believe she's beat Thunder Rosa as well. So there's not really a lot of number one contenders that are fresh matchups for. Her. So we need to build up the rest of the, the division to then finally give her a challenger. We also have the issue of. There's only two hours of dynamite and the singular feud in the women's division, as I mentioned, is Thunder Rosa, Britt Baker. So it's like there's not enough oxygen in the room for another women's storyline right now. And to be honest, Thunder Rosa versus Britt Baker for me this year in 2021, and I know we're only in March, has been one of the better feuds of the entire calendar year. And I'm really enjoying it to the point that next week they're going to be the first ever women's main event in a lights out match, which is essentially an unsanctioned match. And I just think that's amazing. I think that's the great payoff for this really well done feud. Um, 
So yeah, that I agree with you. I don't want to just see a collage of women and hey, was that she a face or a heel this time? Okay, but but again, until uh, their new show kicks off on Monday and maybe AEW Dark starts to tell some storylines, like we don't have a lot of room to get these stories out because there's not enough TV time. All right, so now let's get to the show. So Jim Ross makes his. Uh, grand entrance right before the pay-per-view starts says, Hey, we got a great show for you. I sound sick, but I'll get through it, which was weird, right? Let's talk about that for yes. a second. Yeah. yeah. Look, Jim Ross legend. <laughs> yeah. And if you are watching YouTube, which this is the, the kickoff or the buy-in show airs on and you see Jim Ross walk out and you're a casual fan where maybe in the late nineties, early two thousands, that was your jam. You go like, Oh shit. If he's calling it must be good. I understand. However, Tony Schiavone's really good. Excalibur's really good. Those two can call a match if Jim Ross is under the weather. I don't know if we need to push him out there because the fans will leave if they don't see him kind of talent. So I thought maybe Jim Ross could have took the night off. But anyhow, he comes out and we kick off AEW Revolution with the AEW Tag Team Championship match. The Young Bucks versus MJF and Chris Jericho. The Young Bucks retain in a really fun match. Uh, this is where I, I shot myself in the foot. If we're going back to the picks, if you want to elaborate on that. Yes, you made a wager that they would lose, be uh, Jericho and MJF, and they did. But you wagered that it would happen because Sammy Guevara would cost them the match. And oh, would he not? Uh, more on that later. Uh, this match was, I think, everything we could have expected, right? These are very different styles from, you know, the two different sides here. But mm -hmm. they merged well enough here, and they told a good story in the ring. And I don't think anybody really, you know, follows along professional wrestling too long gave Jericho and MJF much of a chance to actually pull this down. So I think, you know, I don't think there was a whole lot of like, oh, man, what's going to happen? But the performances were fine. There were a couple spots of good kickouts from the Young Bucks. I will give them credit where I thought, you know, when Wardlow got involved or MJF, um, I believe, got that sit out power bomb and got, you know, the pin there. But he obviously uh, one of the Young Bucks, can't remember who, but kicked out at two. There were some good false finishes in this. The, the end, ending sequence, I thought, told a good story because at one point I was like, man, are they really going to do Jericho and MJF? And then. Maybe go down that story, but obviously the Young Bucks retain. Um, now it's going to be interesting because I think the Young Bucks, they obviously won their championship from FTR. Now their first real uh, feud post that uh, capturing of the championships was Jericho and MJF. But Jericho and MJF were never really going after the Young Bucks per se. It was about just... Jericho and MJF are the really bad heels. And oh, by the way, the champs just happen to be the Young Bucks. So now Correct. I'm going to be interested to see, okay, Young Bucks, like you keep telling us you're the greatest. Now you want them off FTR because that was a dream match. And it is what it is to some people sure. it was. And then you beat a really entertaining storyline uh, with Chris Jericho and MJF. Now what are you going to do? Right? This is the challenge is, you keep saying tag team wrestling's back and you guys have the best tag team division in all of pro wrestling, hands down, not even close. But who are we going to get, uh, who are we going up against now, right? Is it going to be Butcher and the Blade? Is it going to be uh, you know, Death Triangle? Like what's the signature story 
for the Young Bucks as champs. That's what I'm interested in. So now let's move on to the Casino Tag Team Battle Royal. Now, this was fun. This was some high-intensity throw-it-in-a-blender hit fast and see what comes out afterwards. Jesus and Mary, this was fun, wasn't it? This was definitely fun. Uh, this is probably one of the most meme-worthy spots of the night with Evil Uno trying to make up for Marco Stunt's miss on oh, a Hurricane Rana outside of the ring um, and maybe misjudged how far away he was from the ring post to start this. But that well, wasn't a great look either, yeah. Yeah, like, I... I get it. Things happen. And we're <laughs> going to talk about at the end of this show, things happen. Uh, so things happen, right? Just fall down. You don't have to run to the post. You could you don't say have that to the, do the exact spot, yeah. especially when your when your elimination was not any key moment in that nobody thought Evil Uno was going to win. It wasn't like a key setup. Nothing. Nothing, dude. Just fall just fall yeah just or just go back in and have somebody throw you out yeah if he starts to slip and fall just go like whoop me too like again that might have been bad too but what was way worse is you do a 40 yard dash to the fucking ring post and then eliminate yourself what the fuck was that man he did do a sprint he (laughs) bared down (laughs) (laughs) what a jackass and then and then look the seidel brothers love them to death I have a special place in my heart. We obviously know of Mike Seidel from Journey Pro and even before that, NWL. Uh, Matt Seidel, you know, as Evan Bourne in WWE, has some iconic moments there. They're awesome, and it's great to see them. They have good characters. The third eye, the yoga guy, love it. However, every fucking time I see them, they're falling down. Like, eventually, you guys have to fucking keep two feet underneath you. So, Matt Seidel has the obvious huge, not huge, but infamous uh, botched um, shooting star press. Okay, that happens. Then Mike Seidel tries in his tag team match to do a backflip and just eat shit and barely hits the guy. And then in this, they're doing a move where Mike Seidel again loses his foot and falls down. And it's like... Hey, do we need new boots? Do we need to like, just, I don't know what it is, but you Seidel brothers, is your new gimmick going to be falling? Cause that's all I'm seeing from you. And the it's Slidell just, brothers. <laughs> yeah. I mean, again, thank the world of them, love them to death, but God bless America. Every time they've been in fr- front of me, I've seen them fall down, not on purpose. Anyhow, let's get to the ending of this uh, casino battle royal. Yeah, okay. Uh, so we had a two on one. It was Jungle Boy and Death Triangle, which mm. I'm going to do this a lot during this episode. But Chef's Kiss, Jungle Boy Jack Perry is a fucking star. I feel like we say that every time we do an AEW pay per view, whether it's against MJF or in tag team action with uh, Jurassic Express. But in this moment, he was the baby face and he got his time to shine. Now, Death Triangle would end up winning this with Ray Phoenix eliminating Jungle Boy. But I came again leaving with like, I want to see more Jungle Boy Jack Perry. Even if you get past the gimmick and just start calling him Jack Perry, I want that guy to be pushed to the moon. 
Yeah, this is about when I'm tracking uh, stuff. This is when you were kind of pulling ahead, I think. Uh, in and I was like, oh man, Tom might get everything right uh, in in these picks. <laughs> uh, hey, <clears throat> what am I again? What the table chief? Yeah, yeah. I'm the head of the Spanish announce table. The table you chief. You are. You are the table chief. You are mm. my mm-hmm. reigning and defending. Picks King, mm-hmm. I bow down all I prognostications to, to you, Tim. <laughs> all right, um, yeah, this match was fun. I, I enjoyed the um, uh, the tag team Casino Royale. I like that they do. I like these kind of let's get everybody on a card matches where there is something on the line and somebody gets a few good spots in, right? The, the WWE doing this with ladder matches at WrestleMania and stuff like this, I'll, I'm always a fan of this because it is hard to screw this up, isn't it? Now, we get even some botches, but those become, oh, remember yeah. that time Evil Uno did a, like you said, a 40-yard right. dash into the ring post? So, yeah. yeah, why not? I like it. Yeah, and some other guys also jumped off the page, or excuse me, jumped out, to me on, on, on this match butcher looked amazing he was another guy where it's like hey i know that we have Wardlow, i know that we have lance archer and credit to those guys you know thumbs up i still love what they're doing but maybe just push butcher butcher scares he's the shit out of people yeah yeah and he's good he looks like he might like he might murder you like cut you to pieces and like store you at his house right well, even more so, he looks like he's the guy that does it to the guys uh, that do that. Like, I would easily see him taking Dexter Loomis from NXT and be like, oh, you think you're scary? Look what I can do with you, boy. And then like, oh, shit. Like, that's the kind of guy I see Butcher as. Uh, the vigilante was, justice psychopath. Right. Yeah. Uh, I think yeah. Butcher was really great in this match. Again, Jungle Boy, as I mentioned. Uh, but Ray Phoenix uh, gets the victory for Death Triangle. Yeah. And Ray Phoenix is another guy with... Just Boy, that showdown, which I mean, it was uh, with with Jungle Boy and Ray Phoenix was intense. That was oh. when I when when we flash forward to Dynamite and it's Ray Phoenix versus you know one of Young Buck, Matt one, Jackson. Right? Is he Young Buck mm-hmm. one? Yeah, uh, he yeah, talks he's for Buck him. One. He's the, yeah. he's the talker. Right. Yeah. Great. Oh, yeah. Good. Uh, he's uh, uh, when it was him and not Jack Perry, I audibly was like, oh man, that's stupid. Like you guys, like you saw the crowd reaction to Jack Perry and, and Ray Phoenix. That should have been started dynamite. But anyway, yeah. I digress. Uh, and maybe it should have. But now we're going to get uh, from the first two matches and going into the next set of pay per views here. Um, we're going to get the death triangle of Pac and Ray Phoenix taking on the Young Bucks. How do you feel about that matchup? Do you think that that's going to be something where we can build maybe not even a main event storyline, but like a feature match out of, or is it just going to be tune in and you're going to see fun? No, because I'm not as into Pac as you are, because here's oh. how the storyline's going to go down. He's going to come out and he's going to say main things and he's going to be mad at the Young Bucks and they're going to be like, tough shit, bro. We're the coolest. And then we're going to get a great match with a bunch of flips and shit. But that's exactly it. So, no, I don't think there's going to be a great story told. I think there's going to be a lame-ass story told with it. You don't like Pac? I don't dislike him. But I think it's I think he's like Tom Petty, where every time he comes out, you're like, yeah, that's the exact same thing you did the last two, three songs. 
but he's so damn miserable. <laughs> and don't you just very believable. To that? Very yeah. believable. Yes, very believable. And I do like that. Yes. That's what I love. It's just like, yeah, that is me. I yeah. see mm-hmm. myself there. Mm-hmm. That's why mm-hmm. I love him so much. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but let's get back to AEW Revolution. Uh, next up, we uh, moved on. You know, we had Paul White say, I want to give you a clue. This uh, talent can outwork anyone. And then we'd see later on what that would mean. But the next matchup we that had. That wasn't a clue. God damn it. That wasn't a clue because that's never something like Christian said before, is it? Like, was that his <laughs> thing? Like, was that supposed to be like, oh, it almost it made me think Kurt Angle because I'm like, who can outwork everyone is Wrestling Kurt machine. motherfucking Angle. Yeah. Christian, like, okay, now I get it coming out, but that wasn't a clue. That was a goddamn, like, that was a lead in, right? That was a fucking, what do we call that? A foreshadowing. Yeah. Can I tell you who I thought it was after that mm. clue? I got really, really nervous and really, really sad. Even though he's my all-time favorite, I don't want to see him on my screen week in and week out. I thought the work was like backstage working the boys. And I thought it was Hulk Hogan. I thought it was oh. going to be a, right? I thought it was going to be, because who can oh. outwork anyone? Oh. I don't want to see it, but you know what I mean? Who would the do it? The would explode. Oh, the internet would explode. We would have had 40,000 tweet the tables. By the way, stick around the rest of the show. Hashtag tweet the table. If you're not doing it, you're a loser. Like Tom lost the (laughs) picks of AEW Revolution. Don't Uh, be like me. (laughs) But don't be like Tom and be like the cool people who did use hashtag tweet the table on Twitter. And we'll read some of those later on the show. Um, Good. Glad it wasn't Hulk Hogan. Yeah, but I got nervous. I was like, oh, shit. Mm. Anyhow, uh, it wasn't. We'll talk about that here. God, I would have laughed. I would have been like, oh, I'd love to see him explain this shit. (laughs) I would have been so sad. Uh, But let's get back to the action table, Chief. Uh, We had the AEW Women's Championship match. It was Ryo Mizunami taking on Hikaru Shida. A really good story that I found out mid-match, and that is an indictment on AEW. So what was not told to me is that, uh, excuse me, Hikaru Shida has never beat Rizu, uh, excuse me, Rio Mizunami. That would be a story to tell about a championship match that the challenger they should have been telling that from Rio Mizunami's like match to win the like in her finals match of that tournament. Mm-hmm. That should have been the thing. Like if Rio wins this, we could be seeing a new champ. And then that whole scene where they went down, they were you know what I mean going at it is a lot cooler, a lot cooler. Yeah, again, it's one of those things that AEW needs to work on. And it's not the worst thing because again, storytelling is amazing, but I don't know what, you know, you can't assume that I have all the same information you do. So assume if, you're I trying, don't. Right, well, if you're trying to tell me the audience to give, uh, you know, give me, or excuse me, if you want my money, you have to tell me the story. You can't just say like, you know, the story, why the fuck should I spend time telling you? It's like, I, you don't know. You know, you know. I'm going to rewind a little bit to one time when I was a young kid and, and I was watching the Arsenio Hall show and he was doing the interview, you know, and he does. And, and he asked somebody, he was like, so tell me about the time you, this, and the guy was like, oh, he's like, yeah. He's like, well, you, yeah, he's like, but you know, you, you've heard the story. And he was like, yeah. He's like, I know the story, but they don't. He was like, it would be a really shitty show if I'm just like, out of hell with the audience and just remember the time we <laughs> and he was like. He's like, I need you to tell them. <laughs> so that's yeah, that's what we're talking about here. Is like when I said assume I don't, I don't even just mean me. Your general audience just assume they don't. Now, 
if you just told me earlier in the show, maybe you don't have to assume I don't, right? Or if it was like, you know, last week saying you did your quick recap, but any new character coming in, any new storyline you're setting, assume I don't know a damn thing, right? Like, I would rather be like, all right, you said that already, than be like, like what? What is mm-hmm. that? I don't get that, right? If I don't understand, I'm not interested. If you told me a couple times, I'll be like, all right, get to the point, right? I'm used to that. Yeah, and I think it's it's better to make sure the audience knows without insulting their intelligence because it's one thing to say, and I'm going to take a shot here at WWE, but it's not meant to be that. It's just they have the longest track record because they are the most successful, longest-running company. Is Matt Riddle can be a stoner, and that's fine. And you can have him come out of the backstage with smoke behind him, and then that tells me stoner. You don't have to do, he's only dumb and like, you don't have to make him a caricature of a stoner. But if you want me to believe that he's a stoner, you have to some way present he's a stoner. Does that make sense? And so, yes, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. That's where like, uh, the girl that got introduced in the buy-in match. And then we saw her on dynamite. You need to tell me what she is before you just have her do her shit. And then me just guess and check on what she's doing. And again, with this storyline, it was a really awesome. It was really compelling. But if I don't know the story, which Excalibur did, again, an amazing job of telling us during the match. But if you have audio issues, which you did have on Dynamite, but if you have audio issues and I notice that your champion, Sheeta, just can't beat the challenger, I'm going to think your champion just sucks. <laughs> like, why can't your right. champion defend her championship? That's what I'm going to come away with. Not, oh, shit. They've wrestled three times and she's never beat the challenger even before she was champion. Okay. That's the story I can get into. So Sheeta does retain, gets her first victory over Mizunami. And again, post-match Nyla Rose attacks both of them. Then they, that's when it happened. Excuse me, not in the buy-in, but uh, Nyla Rose attacks both women. They kind of uh, create this little faction. Then, then again, fast forward with Thunder Rosa, we get that six woman tag match, but the match was really good. It was really physical. I think every time Sheeta gets a chance to have a match on a pay-per-view, she delivers. It's not it's not her fault that her character isn't interesting. I'll say that. I think there's bells and whistles that needs to be added on to a woman whose first language isn't English and she's performing in America. Yeah, uh, you're right there. I, but I am done with the Sheeta thing, right? I, I Somebody... I think it needs a new run with this. I I think, I think a good reset would be good, right? I think having her lose the championship and then reestablishing why she wants to be champion so bad or creating new wrinkles in the character to then now she's a different version of herself, maybe even better and then regains the championship that way we can do that. But if we're just going to keep, you know, the train moving, you got to give us a new destination because we're tired of point A to point B. And that's really all you're giving us right now. Now let's get on to the next match. It was Miro and Kip Sabian taking on Orange Cassidy and Chuck Taylor. The outcome was okay. The story was good. It was promising until we got to Dynamite. But this is where Miro said, fuck all this shit. I'm a beast. Check me out. Smell my dick. Someone getting this camel clutch. I'm ripping your fucking head off. That's the Miro we've been wanting to see. What did you think of this match? I got worried for a while that we weren't getting that. It looked like they were going to have him kind of, 
you know, he was overselling a small punch on the outside for a while, and it looked like Chuck Taylor was going to get the, oh, my God, I'm going to get this, I'm going to surprise everybody. But then Miro came in and just raged, just destroyed everything in sight, and then we got the outcome, as you talked about. Um, I liked it, but, yeah, you're right. Uh, Moving forward, yeah. Uh, here we go again. But um, for this, I thought if the story would have ended there, that would have been a good story to tell. Well, and I thought they really had a story to build on because if you notice, Mira runs into Penelope Ford on the apron. Penelope exactly. Ford falls down. Kip Sabian and that one tends to his wife. Right. And But yeah. Kip Sabian tends to his wife. And Miro's like, you fucking loser. We got people to beat up. And he's like, that's my wife. You could run with that. Now. As we fast forward to Dynamite, this storyline is going to continue because Chuck Taylor and Orange Cassidy have challenged Miro and Kip Sabian to a match where video games are around the ring. That's going to happen. I think it would have been better if you would have done a cinematic match in an arcade. That would be better than just odd video games around a wrestling ring. But that's my opinion. Um, yeah. We'll see I what happens here. This, yeah, video games around the ring, I don't like. Just, but a cinematic match in an arcade or like an arcade bar, yeah, or you know what I mean, a gaming convention, right? Go mm-hmm. to Gaming Con or whatever the fuck you nerds go to, and <laughs> beat them up there, right? Yeah, I will <laughs> say the other person that I came across wanting more of after this match was Kip Sabian. I do want the Miro and Kip Sabian feud because Kip Sabian can go. He looks like a star, especially with beautiful Penelope Ford on his arm. I mean, the sky is the limit. I keep talking about pushing that young talent, and I feel like I don't do a good enough job because I always mention Sunny Kiss, Joey Janela, Jungle Boy. But Kip Sabian is also in that group of talent that I want to see more of. He he just looks money. He has a presence to him. He obviously has a move set that's very um, you know TV friendly. Uh, so let's push Kip Sabian. Let's hope that maybe Miro that. and Kip Sabian have a fallout in the video game match, and then they they go to feud. That we'll is something I wouldn't hate being over something like a TNT title, right? A mid card title, or if you're going to use TNT as like this. This is where we have the legends come in. This is what we put on TNT. Then great. Then give me another mid card title that's for the actual like workhorses, yeah. right? Like those kind of guys. Then that's fine, right? Have a legends title, and you know what I mean. That will also have some new guys holding it, like a Darby for this instance. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, if the TNT title is the show title. Then give me the actual. Let's get in the. You know what I mean. This is what'll be defended in a house show, right? Like that kind of stuff. Yeah, I agree. Uh, one also uh, note about this match coming up next week between uh, Orange Cassidy, Chuck Taylor, Miro, and Kip Sabian is if uh, Miro and Kip Sabian win again, Chuck Taylor will become the butler forever, forever. to Miro. So that's not happening, right? It can't. No, can't. I think this is – you know what I wouldn't be shocked by just because of the advancements in medicine is if you have uh, Trent come back early from – an injury and then that's the way he goes hey i'm back early isn't that neat and then we get the proper kip sabian miro versus um what's his name um best friends sorry i lost my train of thought there so next up we had matt hardy taking on hangman adam page in a big money match where the winner will receive the loser's first quarter 2021 earnings and this was a really good match this was the more traditional match I would say on the pay-per-view that was a throwback to 
what you've always seen in pro wrestling, right? Big moves. There was some flippy shits a little bit here and there, but for the most part, this was your tr traditional lockup to start big move, big move. Let's get the finisher in at the end. And then hangman Adam page would end up winning this match. Uh, but what did you think of this? I like this a lot. I, I typically worry when we get like the aging veteran, you know, taking on the young guy to kind of help build him that the young guy has to do most of the work and Matt Hardy does have a bit of the Hogan back, if you will, mm -hmm. right? The mm -hmm. popsicle yeah. stick with legs. And but um, you know, this match was not bad in that regard. And it was the storytelling has always been there with that, and that is something Matt Hardy does well. Sometimes the story's weird, but the storytelling is always there with Matt Hardy, so I'll give him that. Yeah, and so the end saw private party come out, try to distract Hangman Adam Page. The Dark Order then comes out to even the odds, and then Page gets the big boot, uh, and then the buckshot lariat lands the pin for the one, two, three. Post-match, we see, again, just fantastic. Now we're in the honeymoon phase. Dark Order celebrates with Hangman Adam Page. They all hug. They get some Hangman Wisers, I think they were calling them. Uh, does this mean that Hangman has now officially joined the Dark Order? Where do we go from there? I don't think so. I don't think so. This is more like, I can't even think of a good analogy where somebody's been kind of like necessarily courting somebody, but they just kind of hang around. But no, I because I think maybe that story's still there to tell, so it's still lingering out. But he in no way should just be part of the Dark Order without a more poignant said storyline about that. So no, I don't think that's going on. I think they're just still buddies, man. They're just hanging out. Everybody loves the hangman. Everyone. Everybody loves, hangman loves the hangman right here. I love hangman mm -hmm. Adam page. I'm not even into cowboy shit, but I'm into his cowboy shit. Love that guy. Uh, so on dynamite, we saw that he purchased a lawnmower, which is some type of inner, inner or not inner circle, but some type of inside joke that it's on BTE. I don't watch BTE religiously, so I'm not even for sure what the like golden corral or the lawnmower thing is, but hangman Adam page purchases uh, a riding lawnmower with the earnings he received from Matt Hardy. All of the dark order gets on there to celebrate. They go get ice cream and who wouldn't fucking get ice cream with hangman Adam page. They all get on uh, five tries to get on. They're like, Hey, we have a weight limit. Get the fuck off. Uh, yeah. Love that little story. That was fun because they're all instantly like, dude, 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 no, wait, no, dude, stop. Like, wait a minute, dude. Like, and he was like, oh, yeah, what? yeah, of course. Yeah, and he's like, yeah, okay, yeah, ice cream. And he kind of just jumps by himself, and then uh, Hangman just moves the lawnmower, like, off, off screen, and Five is just standing there like, okay, guys, yeah, I'll see you there in a second. I think he hasn't joined the Dark Order either. I think this is very similar to when a couple breaks up and then, you know, they might've had a nasty breakup or might've been mutual. Right. But one side, it really wasn't mutual. And then let's say they work together or go to school together and then they see each other and it becomes all nice and friendly again. And one part of the relationship is like, we're back together. And the other one's like, it's so good that we can break up and still be friends. And I think that's where we're getting with Hangman and the Dark Order. The Dark Order thinks they're back in this committed relationship. Hangman's just happy that it's not awkward when they run into each other in the locker room. So we'll exactly see how this right. we'll see how this yeah. plays out. But I'm excited. Again, I would get ice cream with Hangman Adam Page. You would get ice cream with Hangman Adam Page. Everyone would get ice cream with Hangman Adam Page. Now let's move on. The next matchup that we got 
was the face of the Revolution ladder match. Cody Rhodes, Scorpio Sky, Penta El Cerro Mito, uh, Lance Archer, Max Caster, and the mystery opponent, the debut of all ego, Ethan Page. Now, friend of the show, Justin Summers, has talked up Ethan Page uh, to make me believe maybe I'm off kilter. Maybe I'm not seeing him uh, in the same light that other people are. I have seen him in Evolve. I am aware of his matches with Darby Allen, for example. I am aware of his tag team uh, success in Impact Wrestling with the North. I just think, to be honest with you, and again, I hope that I'm proven wrong, but he is all sizzle and no steak. I just do not believe in Ethan Page. He is yeah. someone who thinks he is really cool. And hey, guys, my name isn't Ethan Page. I'm Julian. It's Ethan Page played by Julian. And it's like, cool, you're as generic as fucking Miz was in 2005. Like, I just don't yeah. see it. I agree. I don't have any desire to see any more of ethan page for her i I never did so i i can pass again i don't know why they signed this yeah yeah i hope i'm wrong right i hope that just like i was proven wrong on kenny omega because initially i thought he was just a weirdo anime wannabe guy and now love his boots love everything about him he's one of my favorites not top 10 favorites but he's still on my favorites list so ethan page i hope he does that for me where he changes my mind but when he came out, I instantly went, oh, really? Right. Yeah. No, no, I don't like that. Um, but this match was good. If you caught, th- did you catch this part of the match, though? So uh, Pinta hits a Canadian destroyer on a ladder on Cody. Cody goes out with a, with a shoulder injury, right? Goes to the back, but he's still wanting to fight to get back in. Uh, Arn Anderson and Jerry Lynn and some medical staff is like, no, 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 like take care of your shoulder, take care of your shoulder. And mm-hmm. you see him up in the entrance ramp and he's still doing the whole thing. Now, I think what they thought is when he made his triumph return to save the day and hopefully win the match that we would go Cody. But did you catch? There was a little bit of a booing section mm. when Cody came out. Mm. This is where I think it's going to get interesting. We've had this whole year of storyline telling where the only feedback you get are, you know, AEW diehards or just the, you know, small contingents of AEW sucks no matter what they do. And you could you could understand when you read the tweets and stuff what you get there. But when crowds come back in and they don't give you the reaction you're looking for, how do you adapt? Because that was the first thing I thought of is, ooh, Cody didn't get his baby face all American cheers there so did you catch that first off and what do you think from that i did catch that but i i don't know that yeah i didn't even think about kind of yeah as as crowds come back in cody's response that he's used to getting as you said may not be the same with this american television like it just at least the character he's playing now i don't think it's the same that he played over there now admittedly i didn't watch as much over there but now it becomes the Hey, everybody, look at me. I'm Cody, right? You guys love Cody, right? We're kind of like, yeah, (laughs) do we? Why do we? And he goes, because Cody, right? And that's where we're at right now. It's like, man, I don't know, though, Cody. 
So, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm kind of like, I need more from Cody now. Yeah, he does a lot of good stuff on paper, and there has to be someone that fits that role when you do have the Shaquille O'Neal match that needs to get in there that you know is safe, that can obviously handle his business, and has somewhat of a name and Cody Rhodes does. He has a name, especially in AEW, but in pro wrestling, the grandson of a plumber, you know, the, the son of the American dream, dusty Rhodes, all of that good stuff. But I agree with you. There needs to be a little bit more now. Uh, so from this match, we saw Scorpio sky pick up the victory, but let's uh, zero in just a little bit on the Cody Rhodes Penta feud. So on dynamite, we get Cody win a squash match. Then he does uh, an interview segment after the match. Penta from the Spanish announce table, which timeout. Why has no one fucking gone through the Spanish announce table if there's a Spanish announce table in AEW? Yeah. And why are we not getting royalties? The fuck, AEW? I love you guys. Give us fucking money. Look, look. We're putting your load. Look. I don't even know where it is, but bring it here. We didn't make you pay for that. Yeah. So instantly, when uh, Pinta grabbed the microphone and left the Probably Spanish announce table, shut down now. Because the- <laughs> anyway, yeah, it's fine. Fuck him. Uh, Fuck him. But I was like, hey, how have they gone two years or almost uh, a year for sure, uh, going on two years of a promotion and no one's gone through the Spanish announce table? That pissed me off. But anyhow, Pinta comes yeah, we out. Got snubbed. And- yeah, we did. We got. It. I don't Definitely. like it. I don't like well, it. Well, you, hey, me feel hey, sad. now, now, as you, the table chief, you need to do something about that. I follow your lead, pal, so you got to lead us into the promised land and get us an AEW. No, I think you need to go handle it. And if you don't handle it, you will embarrass the Spanish announce table and the table nation. Is that what you want to do, Tom? You want to embarrass no. the table nation, Tom? No. By not delivering? Because if you disrespect me your table chief then you disrespect the table nation and tom i think you'll hear about that on tweet the table so use hashtag tweet the table and at tmac underscore 816 uh let him know that you're disappointed in him Mm -hmm. so penta Mm -hmm. says to cody hey i should have injured your arm so bad that you can't even pick up your daughter and that just drives cody insane as it should but it was a little bit come on right (laughs) Uh, yeah. But now we're going to get Penta versus Cody, which can be good because Penta is amazing. Zero, Mito, uh, and Cody can do a really good match. So I'm excited for that feud. But from the face of the Revolution match, Scorpio Sky picked up the victory. Uh, I want to get your feedback, though, on the brass ring. So yeah. what did you think of the brass ring? I like the name, right? I like the idea of someone's going to grab the brass ring. Again, another tongue-in-cheek reference to wwe okay but it's also more just corporate right everyone says that in corporate america grab the brass ring but what did you think of the presentation and the name i like the i i know we've said you know you don't want to you don't want to take too many digs at wwe and and you know you you can punch up but you don't want to do it constantly because that becomes what you're about which is what impact fell into for a while Mm -hmm. and so but the brass ring felt different that one was like okay that's good right that's good because we've heard that term ad nauseum and nobody the thing is nobody's ever really like in my lifetime has ever been impressed by a brass ring (laughs) i don't even know that i've actually ever seen a brass 
Ring. Seen some gold rings? Diamond rings? Seen a lot of them fucking rings. Some Olympic rings? Nobody gives a shit about this brass ring. But, so I thought that was fun. But they put like a hemorrhoid pillow up there and that was weird. Right? Like, this isn't like the diamond ring or anything. Like, I get you're yeah. not going to have a tiny little ring hanging from it. The optics of that are bad. But this was, looks like you guys went and found a, a pool donut and spray painted it like i don't know what you did here you went to party yeah. central like do you guys happen to have like a a brass a brassish blow up donut <laughs> like, and, and, uh, just weird i don't know actually we do it's next to our sonic the hedgehog uh merchandise because it kind of also looked like a sonic the hedgehog you guys like some of that yeah, uh, yeah. exactly <laughs> i think they can work on the presentation of what that looks like have maybe I think it would just be as simple as just having the AEW logo in in a box type of format. Get some actual brass. Yeah. Get some actual fucking brass. Make an actual brass fucking. I get it could be oversized, but make an actual brass ring, and that you could also like give the guy an actual brass ring and like make something out of it. But this was a gold plastic inflatable. <laughs> like mm -hmm. fuck. That's a good idea. That's a mm -hmm. good idea. I think you could do if you continue with this match. What you can do. Again, maybe go with my uh, suggestion of just have the AW logo in some type of like block form, right? Where it hangs from a ladder, you unhook it, you there, and now it's the AW logo over your head. Hey, who's the face of the revolution? Who's the face of AEW? This fucking guy, look at the logo above him, right? And then afterwards, you have some type of legend, some type of icon, because they love to bring in the Bret Hart's from time to time and, you know, things like that. And that talent or that legend can then present the brass ring to the new yep. winner. I like yep. that idea. That's a good, that's a good mm -hmm. suggestion. I really like that. That's really good. Yeah, but good. Thanks from your table so, chief. Great ideas, table chief. I tell you yep. what, no one mm -hmm. has better ideas than table chief. You're not wrong. I am not wrong, but I was wrong on picks. So Scorpio Sky gets the victory. He would then go to Dynamite to take on TNT champion Darby Allen. This was the biggest miss of the two shows for me because Face of the Revolution makes me think we're moving forward with a huge push. Hey, they have the brass ring and we got Darby Allen retains. And then Scorpio Sky just turns heel. What, what did you make of this match? Which, fine, if we're going to do Scorpio Sky Heel, great. But this, yeah, this was all lead up to nothing. Face of the Revolution, winning the TNT title is the only thing that makes sense in that regard. Now, I understand you didn't want to, like, you know, you guys are high on Darby Allen. I don't understand that, but I understand that you are. But you could still feud it back and forth. You could still put Scorpio sky on the level and you instantly just deflated everything out of his inflatable brass ring. So I don't know what to think of it now where I'm just kind of like, okay, Scorpio sky is no better off than he was. I agree. I think if you were going to start a feud with Scorpio sky and Darby Allen after dynamite, you should still pull the trigger on the title change to give it to Scorpio Sky. He can do the heel turn in the match, right? The, the referee isn't looking, low blow, hits him in the back with the chair, whatever it is. That's the heel moment. Scorpio Sky gets the victory, and then you still have the, the program between Darby Allen and Scorpio Sky, but now Darby Allen is chasing the face of the revolution. 
that's the payoff of winning the match, at least to debut it. Now, if it becomes like Money in the Bank where it just, hey, if you get Money in the Bank, then you just instantly become champion. Well, then we're going to kind of throw our hands up in the air. We're like, oh, okay, so this guy's the next TNT champion on Wednesday. Right? But to establish that winning the face of the Revolution ladder match means something, you have to have the winners cash in. And so that was that was the biggest miss of the two shows for me was just Scorpio Sky should have got the heel turn, and that's fine, but have them have the championship and then say, look at me, I got the brass ring, right? If you do your idea, put the brass ring on, and I got the championship, I'm the man here. That is the money move there. But it didn't happen. We move on. Going back to AW Revolution, we go into the big announcement. Justin Roberts announces the mystery signee. And it is Hulk Hogan. No, I'm kidding. It is Christian Cage. Tim, this Christian Cage signing uh, indicates that he will be a wrestler and he will uh, outwork everyone. What do you think of Christian Cage in AEW? I think... I've been a fan-ish of Christian Cage for a long time. And I really like his early TNA run when oh, that great. surprise mm-hmm. happened. Mm-hmm. And I don't disagree that like he could go in there and work to a high level with a determination and desire to outwork everyone and thereby put in maybe some of the best work we've seen from like a storytelling perspective from him. In fact, I think like a large, large portion of the times that we've seen Christian, the storytelling has gotten better, right? The Randy Orton stuff from a long time ago with the one more match was great. And then mm-hmm. we, you know, I mean, this stuff was, you know, it was part of a Randy Orton running saga. So it was kind of handcuffed and where he could go with that. But, mm-hmm. um, so I, I mean, I, I don't think what we'll see will be necessarily bad or just cringeworthy, but it wasn't a hire that like I would have done the way they announced, right? I wouldn't have announced it the way you announced it because it felt like a letdown. I agree. So as a promoter, I think one of the most important things is to get someone to buy the pay-per-view, right? Get you in the door, go to the show, whatever it is. So to promote this signing was perfect. It got everyone in a frenzy. You had every gas bag and talking head in the pro wrestling community doing their theories of who it's going to be. Could it be a CM Punk? Could it be Kurt Angle? Could it be Randy uh, oh, you know, it RVD? It definitely was one of the biggest talking points going. Like everybody, it was like barbed wire death match and who the fuck's it going to be? And Christian right, was so, named. People discussed, like people put it up as like, could it be Christian? But I felt like unilaterally everybody was like, nah, nah. Mm-hmm. Right? I felt like almost everybody would have told you, nah. And then, so that's why when it was Christian, everybody was like, yeah. oh. So yeah. that's where, I, that's the second part of that is you did an amazing job getting eyes on your product, butts in seats, whatever you want to say is that cliche, but you got everyone's attention. So kudos to AEW for doing that part. Now, you don't want to become the boy who cried wolf where every time you get our attention, it's okay, but it's not the big announcement that you think. That's where you get a little bit cautious with 
Not everything's the earth-shattering move of the century. When Big Show said it's not who you think, I thought it was going to be cooler, not less cool. So that was... Here's the other part, though, I want to talk to you about with the Christian Cage goes to AEW. What a fucking miss by WWE. What a fucking miss. You have Roman Reigns and Edge. And you have Roman Reigns with Jey Uso. I'm going to assume, we'll see how the storyline goes, but Jimmy Uso as well. You could have done Edge and Christian versus the Usos. Roman Reigns and one of the Usos, let's just say Jay, because we know he's there for sure, versus Edge and Christian. You could have done an Edge and Christian versus uh, the New Day. Edge and Christian versus the Street Profits. And I'm not saying you make a whole storyline out of it, but right now, what's the most intriguing thing that the Street Profits are doing? Not a fucking thing. (laughs) No, and I I agree to, to some extent on that. However, I just feel like WWE is doing enough of that, like, you know, also rant like let's run the veterans back in, and Edge and Christian. I would have loved to seen some of those matches you mentioned, but I think it would have just been met with a bunch of like, okay, another one here, and so they probably were offering him money in that that level of thinking. Like, listen, we'll pay you more than a legends contract, obviously, because you're going to be doing more appearances. But, bruh, you're Christian, and in the WWE world you're going to be Christian, right? We can go up to here to a certain point, but there's no, like, Christians beating Roman Reigns, right? They're barely able to convince us that Edge might, right? Like, and, and to say Christian won't isn't going to happen. And so then thereby to think maybe Edge and Christian win tag titles, eh, you know what I mean? I don't think anybody will, like, think that's super amazing so they're probably offering them x amount of money where aw said oh we'll give you more because you're going to draw more eyes to us than we're used to getting so like it's a bigger investment to even pay more for aw if that makes sense right so i feel like that's the only reason that goes down that way i'm sure wwe thought these things that you went through but they probably thought the money he's going to get from them versus what we're going to want to offer to pay for that is a no-brainer you know yeah I just thought if you're going into the WrestleMania buildup, you could have told some storylines and had some matches where Edge gets in front of a TV on SmackDown. Yeah. Yeah, If you get him in SmackDown or get him on SmackDown in some action, but he doesn't have to carry the load, Edge and Christian would have been the perfect way to do it. That was just my opinion. I am interested, Oh, but a Street Profits Edge and Christian feud could be good, but then we, I mean- it would wind up with the fucking living monster in a dumpster. So, well, uh, yeah, I agree. I agree. I this agree. is where I have felt. I've always felt like Christian is probably a bit more of the comedic person in the edge and Christian duo in real life. You know what I mean? I think he's a bit more of the witty guy. So mm-hmm. you may get some interesting stuff out of him in AW <sighs> if you follow, you know what I mean? Uh-huh. So, so it may be better to see Christian play out his final run, albeit there is the nostalgia, albeit that we may get more interesting stuff there. If they flirted with with Christian and Kenny Omega, if they do that, I mean, I can't imagine those two wouldn't give us something entertaining, you know? Oh, it's that's going to be good. Yeah. Uh, again, going to Dynamite on Wednesday night, we saw a stare down between Kenny Omega and Christian. It looks like maybe that's where we go for Christian's first feud. One thing that just kicked me in the gut, though, as you were talking about uh, Christian and WWE and what that would look like, 
One thing that's going to suck, because they're probably going to take it off the network, and we're definitely not going to get season three of it, but Edge and Christian's show that totally reeks of awesomeness. That was one of my favorite shows in WWE Network history. Yeah, that was one of the best shows on their network, period. Oh, man. Yeah, so we're not going to get that when they're separate, and yeah, we probably wouldn't get that on Peacock anyway, I bet. Well, they're supposed to provide content, but I bet you it's going to be documentaries, and that's it. Damn. Damn. I bet but, we're going to lose the zany extra content. We'll lose uh, Ribbed or whatever the fuck they called their punk, whatever they called the that. The Jerry right? Seinfeld show. Yeah, that yeah. one too. Well, you know when they went around like doing the um, the hidden camera yeah. gag mm-hmm. show, right? Yeah. 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 Uh, one, one feud that I can definitely see AEW doing just because the Young Bucks want to do it is don't be shocked. And I'm saying it here first. You heard it here first on the Spanish Nouns table. It's going to be the Young Bucks versus the Garfunkels of the two famous tag teams, Matt oh. Hardy and Christian. <laughs> Wait a minute. Wait until we get a Chris Jericho Christian oh. confrontation oh. in AEW. Right? Now, I hope they the don't, history right. there. Don't oh. go too early. That's got to come. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't wouldn't do even a feud. I wouldn't even do it. Yeah. I wouldn't do a feud. I almost wouldn't even do that, like, little, like, walk by i mean maybe maybe you get a little quick like jericho's talking in a circle because he's face now so you can't go to thing but like he's talking he's doing an interview christian walks by and he's like i still don't like that that happened right like you know what i mean and just kind of go on right like just a little flash save that for six months down the road for me Oh, I was thinking, you know, if if they have nothing to do, which they would, but if you ever do a battle royal, right? The uh, mm-hmm. the double or nothing uh, battle royal that they do the there. Casino Royale. The Casino Royale. If you just have the two of them team up for five minutes and then Chris Jericho whoop, throws them out of the ring, that would be fun. Like, yeah, that's another good pairing. But I could just see, because, you know, if you, if you talk about the Hardy Boys, Jeff Hardy was the champion. He's the more famous of the two. You talk about Edge and Christian. Edge was the champion, even though Christian was too. But you know what I'm saying. Edge was the champion, and he was the more famous of Christian the two. Christian was the Marty. So, right. But So they're both the Marty, right? Matt Hardy right. and <laughs> Christian are the Martys taking on the Young Bucks. I'm going to call it here at first. Well, That's what's going to They happen. could hint at the whole Matt Hardy-Edge lead of thing christian could be like hey i remember when you know what i mean like they could they could do some cool things there but again that's wwe nostalgia too but i think AEW would tell that wwe nostalgia in a more cool contemporary way than wwe would in this day and age and that's weird oh right? yeah definitely that's I weird definitely a chris mm-hmm. jericho christian feud in wwe right now would suck but AEW would pull that off way better yeah, they wouldn't they wouldn't hit you over the head with it, but they do little subtle things that would pay off for IWC fans that's been watching them their whole entire career. All right, let's get back to Revolution here. Then uh, the next thing we had after the signing of Christian Cage was the street fight. Sting and Darby Allin taking on Brian Cage and Ricky Starks. Cinematic match. What mm-hmm. were your thoughts? Decent. Except for stop giving me a ring in these street fights. NXT did this. Uh, AEW did this now. I don't want it. Give me a pit, right? Like an open warehouse floor that we treat as the main stage. I get uh, for production reasons and whatnot. But like, it's not a street fight if you begin and end in the goddamn ring. Mm-hmm. You just change the fucking arena. And you made it a no holds barred, you know, like 
no DQ, no count out. That's not a street fight. The Piper, you know, gold dust, dust. backlot brawl, that's a street fight. Give me yeah. a street fight. So I was a little upset. Now we got street fight elements. So mm-hmm. that was there. I'm I know they're gonna hype Sting, but the whole like Sting proved he's back. I'm like, no, he guys, he did four spots in this thing. <laughs> you know what I mean? Hey, like, but I, he did four spots. I'll say right. that he did yeah, four yeah, spots. Yeah, sure, you know what course. I mean? <laughs> yeah. Of course. And it wasn't bad. Again, this was a good man. Like I didn't find any major flaws here. The story was done right. Darby Allen got a crazy spot in. I'm sure he did that stunt himself, mm-hmm. you know, against better judgment. <laughs> and then, you know, yeah, I, I would hope we can move on. I hope so, too. And it looks like we will. So, again, Darby Allen took on Scorpio Sky on Dynamite. Looks like they're going to start their feud. Then Sting came out on Dynamite to celebrate the victory. And Lance Archer and Jake the Snake Roberts, which... Think of the history in WCW that Jake the Snake Roberts and Sting has. That could be fun to allude back to. Uh, but Lance Archer just kind of did a, hey, if no one's going to give me the time, I'll just take my time. Oh, so sorry, Sting, but my time's coming or something you know, to that effect. Thought that was interesting. Going back to the street fight, though, I saw criticism of this, and I totally agree. If you're going to do cinematic matches... Stop with the fucking commentary. I didn't need to hear Taz and Jim Ross and Tony Schiavone and Excalibur calling moves in a street fight. Like, again, there's one type of street fight where it was Santana and Ortiz versus the best friends, which was just adjacent to where you were. It would make sense that you would call that. But if this is in an undisclosed location, it should be like a secret thing where only cameras found out about it, not commentary teams ready to give you the suplexes. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's interesting because, like, I would assume you're getting a live feed of a street fight. Now, I know from mild introduction to any sort of production that it takes a lot to get a live feed going. It cannot just randomly follow you wherever the fuck you so decide to go, right? Like, yes, we can set up a live feed of a football stadium and try to put some cameras around, but, like, if, if the football players decided to get up and move it across the fucking street, they would have a problem continuing that live feed seamlessly, right? So, yes, you're right. This should be a, a hey, this is happening 30 minutes elsewhere. We're getting footage in now, right? Also, so we can blur any maybe, vulg- you know what I mean, parts that are not suitable to, to young eyes or something like that, right? Like to kind of make it more hemmed mm-hmm. up and there shouldn't be – a street fight shouldn't, yeah, it, it cheapens it to have a call, right? Because, yeah, you're you're watching a street fight and you're just like, oh, and then he threw him into the cinder blocks. Like, you wouldn't act. Like, it's weird. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah, I agree with you. It, it, was a tad, it was a tad weird. That was my only big criticism of it. But I did like it. I, I thought it was, it was shot really well. As I mentioned before, uh, push this young talent. I hope that Brian Cage and Ricky Starks can now dig into a feud that has a little bit more um, uh, juice to it as far as like something they can work with instead of just uh, mindless promo after mindless promo. Let's just get to the match. Ricky Starks is, again, another guy like Kip Sabian that I want to see more of. Just push that guy as an individual. Brian Cage is still a goddamn action figure uh, running around here doing flips like Darby Allen, but then also doing power slams like Wardlow. Um, Let's he get should them. have had the name Big Swole. 
Yeah. Oh, a million percent. Big Swole is great, but like, yeah, he's Big Swole. Um, I want to see those guys get something right. I want to, where, where's team Taz? This, this is, they weren't seen on dynamite, which I get right. You got to lick your wounds, but powerhouse Hobbs and Brian cage. And again, I still think Ricky Starks needs to leave this group. Cause he just kind of feels like a sore thumb, but let's get this team gritty. I want to see them. This is where you can get the opportunity on dark. And then on their elevation show on Monday, have them fuck up the gun club, right? Just like, this is our fucking house. We're power bombing motherfuckers through the rings. Dude, yeah, if they got rid of Ricky Starks and they just had Brian Cage, Powerhouse Hobbs, and then they got Taz and Hook, right? Hook is just Taz's son. So Taz the manager and Hook's just kind of the guy who goes in and does the dirty work. Mm-hmm. So Taz can be like, Yeah, I didn't I didn't do shit. Hook's crazy, yeah. man. I've tried my whole life to keep him under control. You you fucking try if you give me some tips. Oh yeah. um then that's great. I like that because again, if we're not pushing Cage to an upper level singles run, then why bother just having wasting time having a match against Scorpio Sky for no reason, right? Like a tag team with him and Hobbs. Now again, oh. we do have a bloated tag team. We're about to need a mid card tag team titles in AW before we need another well, but think singles of this. Title. As I mentioned, let's see what the Young Bucks can do with all these tag teams. You know, you you trim the fat off of Team Taz and take Ricky Starks and push him to the moon. And then you have the tag team of Powerhouse Hobbs and Brian Cage. Those two guys can do any fucking move that you ask of them. Have Team Taz and Taz cutting promos on the Young Bucks. And then you get the Young Bucks versus Team Taz. I'm into that. That would be fun. Uh, yeah, Hobbs and Cage up against the Young Bucks could be a fun match. I agree with you. That would be good. All right, now yeah. let's get to why we're all here, what we're all talking about this week. It was the exploding, exploding? barbed wire. It tried. Exploding barbed wire death match. AEW champion Kenny Omega taking on the former champion and number one contender, John Moxley. First, let's talk about the match. This match, I thought, was incredible. Incredible on so many different levels. I thought the build-up to where we finally got to the meat and potatoes of why we're here of the booms and bloom, blah, bloom was great. I thought the booms and bloom, blah, blooms was was great. Wait, hold on. I loved everything. I need you to repeat that part. The blooms and blooms and blooms. I liked it. When the first time. Uh, I would make I believe, that the episode title, but I don't know what you fucking go. said. I don't bloom, even... blah, bloom, blah, bloom. Just make this a gif. Bloom, blah, bloom, blah, bloom. <laughs> yeah. uh, but I thought the first time that Kenny Omega, I believe it was, or maybe it was John Moxley, ran into the ropes and the fucking thing uh, exploded. And then, you know, they got caught in the barbed wire. I thought the paradigm shift on the outside that went into uh, the barbed wire there was really fun spots. And let's talk about this for a second. If you're a longtime Kenny Omega fan, you know that only one person has kicked out of the one winged angel. And at AEW Revolution, John Moxley kind of did that where he kicked the rope, which caused an explosion that caused Kenny Omega to then abandon the cover. How incredible was that? I thought that was a good payoff to show like this feud between John Moxley and Kenny Omega. That was a neat touch. So a couple things here. Now, and we're going to talk about, of course, the big thing at the ending that everybody's been mm-hmm. talking about. Mm-hmm. But besides that faulty explosion, if that's the route we're going, I I want to bring up that I, I feel like, in hindsight, of course, 
This would have been better off if you labeled this and only ran it as a barbed wire death match. So I'd been selling this to my son, Swim Trunk, uh, and saying, man, they're having this exploding barbed wire death match. It's crazy. It's crazy. It's crazy. And the first, like, he he was like, all right, you let me know when that match is on. I'm coming down and I'm watching this, right? So we let him know. I let him know. He comes down. He watches it. And the first time they hit the ropes and that explosion happens, he was like, that, that didn't even, that that's like on the other side. Like, if you notice, they had, like, rope, barbed wire, rope, exploding stuff. And he was like, that all went out. And I was like, yeah, that was really bad camera work. Like, they should have had the camera on the front side. You wouldn't have known it was only coming out, right? I was like, okay, a little botch. But they kind of, oops, here's the curtain, right? Like, these guys aren't in any actual peril. Um, he was like, that was a flashbang. This is kind of what he basically said. So that's not altogether – that was kind of tinging our, our thought while we were watching it, right? And I was like, man, these explosions are kind of weak almost the whole time. And then the, the payoff at the end of it being weak all the way through was also kind of like, a, oh, of course. So it, it was weird, but I would say the barbed wire aspect of it is what really had us going like, oh, Oh my God, right? These guys were destroying each other. And we were like, how do you even, like when he was on the landmine on the outside and he has to like pull himself out and you could just see him being like, oh fuck, oh fuck, oh fuck, okay, I'm going to rip the band-aid. I'm going to rip the mm -hmm. band-aid being John Moxley. And he just went like, motherfucker. And then he didn't even get it all the way. And he's just like, God, fuck. Like, yeah. that was some of the craziest stuff. And so in hindsight, like had they just never involved the explosions, it would have been just as impactful, I think. And, and almost more um, but the explosions were what they were almost the whole way through. So the ending almost didn't disappoint me as much as everybody else because I was already kind of disappointed disappointed in that regard. So I, I might share a, a criticism that may not be fair, but if you're going to say this is an exploding barbed wire death match, look, I'm an ECW guy. I've seen barbed wire matches. They don't have ropes. The ropes is the barbed wire. So when I saw the ropes were still there, I somewhat got disappointed and said, I said this to myself. I said, I understand it's 2021. We all know that this is a work. Let's not legitimately kill ourselves. However, <laughs> the fucking ropes However. don't need to be there. The ropes shouldn't be there. It, this is a barbed wire death match has barbed wire. There's no ropes. It's barbed wire. So that was where I was like, ah, that's a kick in the pants. But then I, you know, I said to myself, hey, this isn't, I don't want to see real death. So, okay. So, but same thing. They said like, okay, can't do four ways around because they want emergency personnel if need be. And I was like, oh, okay. That's almost a good move. I almost support that. Mm -hmm. Fine. Fine. But you should have had no ropes elsewhere, but I don't know if you can necessarily do that. I don't know how is the ring structure that yeah. way. Can you only put up ropes on one side? You've put up I rings don't know. before. I put up okay. I put up boxing rings, but I've never, you know, I've never messed yeah. with the ropes. It's always just been the traditional boxing. You put up the rings. frame and shit, and somebody else yeah. put the ropes, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, no, I've put up ropes, but oh, okay, it's just right. like it's always just like connected. So it's one long just square where you just connect it to the. Oh, ring so point. there isn't a singular side. It's all one big, right? Yeah. At least I don't when know. you did it, right? Yeah. yeah, at least when I did it. So yeah. uh, let's get into now. Okay, so let's get into the finish. So the Good Brothers come out. They beat the shit out of John Moxley to help. Great storytelling. Yeah, and that that makes sense, right? Of course, right? John Moxley, the numbers game. He's a loner. That would happen. 
the good brothers beat up on John Moxley. Kenny Omega then hits his finisher, gets the victory. They still beat the shit out of him. Uh, I did like the exploding um, baseball bat. That was a cool spot. I did like that. That yeah, was pretty cool. I didn't cool. expect that. That was fun. Yeah. Uh, so then they announced before the match that regardless of what happens in 30 minutes, this bitch is blowing up. And so they're beating the shit out of John Moxley yeah. and they're having Pause, their fun. Though. The, the, the plot hole is you guys didn't rig a way to stop it when the match was done. So like, if the crew was here, if the match ended five minutes in, we would just had to wait 25 minutes until this thing fucking exploded for no reason. I kind of like, like that, though. That makes sense, right? Like, hey, this is fucking <laughs> okay. wild. It's fucking wild. This message like will that. self-destruct. <laughs> right, exactly. I somewhat like that. That's okay. I I agree with you, right? Like, if it was a quick roll-up in a minute and a half, what the fuck are we doing? You know, just waiting for, like, a, after a baseball game, the fireworks to go off? Like, what the fuck? Um, I still want that. That goes back to my, like, I want a hot tag to fail. Let's set up one of these, like, barbed wire exploding death matches and have it roll up in the first 15 seconds and be, everybody be like, God damn it, what the fuck? <laughs> that would be great. I would like that once. I wouldn't want it more than once, but I would want it once. So then they do the countdown. You see the countdown on the screen. It sounded like uh, an atomic bomb warning from World War II. Uh, great sound effects with that countdown clock. And then well, an Excalibur selling it the whole time. Like he's shitting his pants. Somebody's going to die. Yeah. And then out of the tunnel, catching me completely off guard. I legitimately, uh, as a shoot, I was just like, okay, I'm going to come back in five seconds and watch the fucking thing explode. Right. Cause I knew that no one was going to die, but I thought maybe they'd have some huge giant explosion You're pulling up Facebook or TikTok. Check how many views you had on the last video or something. Yeah. Something like something. that. Right. Uh, live tweeting at table show on Twitter and I was I was honestly expecting a huge explosion to where there would be so much smoke you could roll John Moxley under the ring, then you would see the ring. He was not there. Oh my God, what happened, to John Moxley? That's what I was expecting. However, I heard some commotion, so I walked back into the living room. Eddie Kingston's throwing right hands to Butcher and the Blade, and then jumps in the ring. A handcuffed John Moxley's like, "I'm fucked, bud. Like this is it for me." And Eddie Kingston. Oh, tugs on your heart. How great of a moment was this? This could have been honest to God. If the explosion would have happened as it, as it should have, this could have been their signature moment. This could have been bigger than when Cody and Dustin hugged at the end of their match. It was perfect. Yeah. And I know they went this route of, who knows if this was a, you know, we will never know for sure. We suspect this was a faulty explosion. I feel like this was an accident. I feel like they rigged everything. Things went off in succession, right? It went like sparklers and then went like boom, 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 boom. And then it went flashbang, right? I think all of that was designed to go off at once. So it would have looked like one gigantic explosion. He's covered. Eddie Kingston looks like he just suffered a force explosion. And I think that went off wrong. Now, if you were going to go that route of gigantic explosion, you could have just as easily had Eddie Kingston. I watched it back. There was time to even pull this off. Narrowly pull him out just in time out of that emergency route that you had built in. Right? He pulls him onto the stage. That explosion goes off. He's covered him. They narrowly escape death together. And now they're back into this thing, right? So that's almost the route I would have went. And But I think they were trying to get there same either way. I like the way they went out of this. It's of course we weren't going to kill him like Jesus. <laughs> like 
I would have dug in. I'd be like, he would have tried to kill us. He's a bad person. Mm-hmm. And then you really light up Eddie Kingston, which is what they were doing. I would have even went harder, right? Like, And they explained it. Like, Eddie Kingston had an anxiety attack. I probably would have done the same thing. If I thought you were dying in an explosion and my only thought was like, oh, my God, we've got no time to go. I can't get you out. And uh, I didn't save myself. I would have thought, like, we're both dying here. Like, who knows what I would have went through. So that was great. If that was their whole plan from forward – Great storytelling. I don't believe it. I think they had a misfire and they called an audible, which was a good move. Yeah, I think they got out of this the best way possible. And the best way possible is let Eddie Kingston just cut a promo and John Moxley will co-sign on it and then they'll have some fun together. Again, there's there's this one photo from friend of the show, Ryan Loco. He was at the event and there's a black and white photo with on the Megatron or whatever they call it, an O one right before the bombs go off and Eddie is covering John Moxley. That's how I want to remember that moment is friends torn apart by uh, jealousy or becoming the champion brought together by extreme circumstances. Now they're friends again. I wish it would have happened the way I think it would have happened. And again, we don't know, right? To your point, we don't know what was going to happen. I think though they were wanting boom, 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 boom. Eddie Kingston passes out, but John Moxley's uh, like uncapacitated. He's not going to be in. I think that is when John Moxley was supposed to go. Like Eddie saved John Moxley, but John Moxley's injuries and all of that, he ain't coming back. Yeah, for they a had while. to play this off, so they had to bring Moxley back to like help play it off. Right, and so I think it was going to be Eddie versus Kenny Omega, Impact Wrestling, whatever we're calling that faction. And then since we had to call the audible with, all right, well, John Moxley still has to show up because nothing fucking happened to him, you know, post-match. Now we're going to get good brothers, Eddie and John in a match next week. And then hopefully we get the payoff of John Moxley gets a break. I think again, I'm assuming with a kid on the way, he's going to take time off like Seth Rollins did. Um, so I think that's where we're going to go there. But man, it was, it was just on paper. That was that was the most heart-wrenching story of the week. It wasn't the best, but it was the most heart-wrenching, just perfect story you could and tell. Unexpected. Unexpected, mm-hmm. but fitting. So oh. fitting, but unexpected was it, great. because. So it, it was actually, I was, I, I was watching the program somehow, right? Somehow... Uh, that was maybe not the best quality, consistent stream, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it started to glitch a little at the end, and so you're right. I caught the same thing. Like it kind of glitched, and then I, and then it glitches back, and it's Eddie Kingston out there all of a sudden punching <laughs> the butcher and the blade. And I'm like, what? And then it glitches again, and I see Eddie Kingston like it pauses for a second. I try to like mess with it to kind of refresh it. Then I see Eddie Kingston literally covering John Moxley with one second left, and I'm like, "Oh, what?" And then like it, it glitches again, and I'm like, "No!" I'm like, "What is going on here?" It glitches again, and I just see a little bit of a sparkler. And my son again is watching, and he goes, "Was that really it? Was that the explosion, or did we just miss it because of the the glitching?" Yeah. And I was like. I'm getting a feeling that was it. Like, I was like, I don't see the remnants of a big mm-hmm. explosion. So I had to like rewind it, watch it. And then we kind of caught the whole thing. 
But that was the most unexpected part of the story was like, Eddie Kingston. Then you're like, of course he'd come out. Like he said the whole time, like, I don't even want to kill my best friend, but I got it for that title because I told my, my grandma or whatever. Right? Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A great story. I, I, man, I couldn't have done it better in the storytelling aspect outside of testing the bombs a little more, maybe. And again, I did a TikTok about this, which you can check out on our on our TikTok channel. Um, at Spanish Announce Table. At Spanish Announce Table. Where where I feel we can always be critical as talking, head, talking heads, whatever you want to call us, is when storylines on purpose don't make fucking sense. And you go like, that's stupid. That's dumb. That was a decision that was written on paper, signed off by whoever. Yeah, and I then agree. we're going to go to air with that. We can 1 million percent talk shit on that. I feel anyone. If you don't like it, talk shit on it. Right. Totally fine. However, as I say in my TikTok, pro wrestling isn't a movie there. There are no take twos. So when the bomb doesn't go off, that fucking sucked. However, goddamn, wasn't that an amazing story? Like, wasn't that an amazing story? I loved it. So that was AEW revolution. Uh, some technical difficulties. Kind of didn't make it an all-time great. I did think, though, it was a very good show. I purchased it legally. Thank you. Uh, and you're welcome, AEW. Um, so I experienced it normal. you saying I didn't? Hey, I'm just saying I did. I don't know what you did, Table Chief. I'm just saying I told you what I'm doing. Now, speaking of te- technical difficulties, let's again fast forward to AEW Dynamite. Ethan Page. Well, I'll, go ahead. Let me pause it for a quick second because I want to talk one last thing about this exploding barbed wire death match. Right. The problem with the faux pas at the end is that they can't run this match back again. Like I think like the next time they try to go like exploding barbed wire death match, people are like, sure thing, guy. Yeah, that's true. Sure thing, guy. So I feel like they've eliminated this from their repertoire now. Although, what if they hit us with the swerve? What if they say it's just a barbed wire match? And then we get fucking bombs, and let's just say it's Don Callis again, or Taz, or whoever it is in that heel spot, and they go, ah, oh, you motherfuckers, Ooh. this is how the real bombs no. go off, and then doop, 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 You doop. better blow somebody's fucking face right off. You better come with it, because people are going <laughs> to yeah. shit all over it if you do not fucking, like, probably disable somebody permanently. I mean, Darby Allen would do it. <laughs> Darby Allen would do it. Darby Allen, yes, you, got, you got the talent yes, to do he it. Would. Darby Allen would do it. Yes, he would. So let's talk about some more technical difficulties for AEW. And again, I don't know if this was AEW's fault or TNT's fault, but during Ethan Page's AEW Dynamite debut, you hear a basketball game throughout the match. So you don't hear his promo before the, the wrestling match. You don't get to see him really beat up Lee Johnson. Uh, you do get to see the QT Marshall continue his feud with the Nightmare Family, which is a good, you know, third or secondary storyline. Uh, but NBA basketball during during a wrestling match. That's unfortunate to go along with the unexploding barbed wire death match. Not a good week technically for AEW. So I, it took me a while because I was watching that on my phone on the YouTube TV that I have. And so then mm-hmm. I started, th- like I had it going through Bluetooth and I started to think I was having issues, right? It took me a while to realize like, something's wrong here. And so I like pulled up on the TV and heard the same issues. 
And yeah, I ugh, that one made it rough because I you can still follow along. Didn't miss any of the show, but it, it was hard to follow. Uh, well, or, not hard to follow, but it was just hard to deal with. I think it was kind of like, ah, this is annoying. I wish this wasn't yeah. going on right now. Well, and especially for the debut on Dynamite, Ethan Page, because now he's always going to be tied, at least in my mind, to, hey, remember when the basketball game was more entertaining than his match? They played the basketball game over his match. So I thought that was interesting. But let's get into Dynamite. Uh, again, I thought the most heartfelt and compelling uh, emotional story was Eddie Kingston saving his longtime friend, one-time rival, now reunited friend, John Moxley, but the way we closed AEW Dynamite with the War Council from the Inner Circle was, and I'm going to do it again. This might be the signature for me on Spanish Announce Table, but Chef's Kiss. Holy shit. How perfect of storytelling was this? So, War Council starts. Chris Jericho takes the mic. He goes, hey, when you get knocked down, again, we're paraphrasing here. When you get knocked down, sometimes uh, you got to stop, regroup, dust yourself off. And who knows? Maybe the inner circle needs to add a new member. MJF goes, no, 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 friend. We're not adding any more members. Before he gets any farther, a returning Sammy Guevara comes out and says, Chris, got to show you something. And he has... Some secret footage of MJF conspiring with the other three members of the inner circle to say, hey, tonight's the night. We're cutting the head off the snake. Jericho's out. We're going to giving him a dirt nap. Fuck this guy. Jericho looks to MJF and is like, man, I'm so sorry. What the, or Jericho looks to MJF and MJF's like, man, I'm so sorry. I hate that you have to find out this way. Guys, get him. And so Sammy Guevara and Chris Jericho put up their dukes. They're ready to fight off the other three members. The other three members didn't do the greatest job of like, they're going to kick Jericho's ass, but they tried. They walked up, but then they all spin and face MJF. And you realize as Chris Jericho said, Hey, you dumbass! We talk every day. You didn't think we fucking knew this. We're just waiting for you to shoot yourself in the foot idiot. So we're kicking you out of the inner circle, pushes them down. And this is where it gets great pushes him down, says you're fired from the inner circle and we're going to give you an inner circle beatdown. And MJF, oh, Tim, MJF then says to him, no, 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 no. I never wanted to take over your inner circle. I never wanted to take over your inner circle. I wanted to build my own lights out, lights back on Wardlow. FTR, Sean Spears with manager Tully Blanchard standing behind the inner circle. Beat the holy fuck out of the inner circle as MJF just looks upon and just a, a amusement. And it ends with Wardlow powerbombing Jericho off the stage. Oh! Wardlow looked like a beast in this. And this was a surprise because we've been talking about this other organization, this other group, this four horsemen light, which is probably not even close to the angle they're going here now. Mm -hmm. uh, this was a great swerve. I liked all of this. I wow. liked the, because it did, it, you bought in MJF is like, Oh my God. And, and you know, him as the cowardly shit heel. And so they're like, he's even crying, right? Like they were making fun of him. And then he was like, Hmm. 
You, oh. right? Got you. Oh, I loved it. Loved it all. Yeah, I liked oh that my. a lot. Oh, Tim, let's dig into this. I know we've got other things to talk about. We got Tweet the Table. We got WWE. But this was fucking great. This is the first time I've rewatched a segment the next day. I haven't done that ever in the history of ever. And I've, I was like, I'm watching this twice. I watched it twice today because it was so fucking good. First off, let's dig into this. The heel turned heel on the heels. Yeah. How fucking cool is that right yeah, there? Yeah, he turned them right? face immediately. He, right. he turned them face by turning heel on the heels. Yep. Fucking amazing right there. And then two. Yeah. Over here, we're all, we're all. No one had this. We're all no. buying into. Nobody was like, MJF is going to take these guys and beat yep. up the inner circle. Nobody no. called that. I, I want was, proof positive. Somebody yeah. called this. I want tapes. Yeah, and everyone was doing. Oh, what are they gonna? What, who's the fourth horseman gonna be? Tully's gonna be the manager. Is it Cody? You know, we said Cody. Is it gonna be this person? That, oh, and all along. Going back to now the storytelling of MJF, because the entire time, the night or the the dynamite after he lost to John Moxley for the AW championship, he got on the microphone and he said, The only way to get noticed around here, it seems, is to join a faction. That's I right. need to he, did he said say that. I, and he goes, I need to learn how to create a faction. Now I might That's have not said. said that correctly, but yeah, he said, I need to learn paraphrasing here, how to create a faction. So what did he fucking do? He did exactly that. What an evil mastermind, Tim. Oh, this is such a reward for watching dynamite week in and week out. This is the storytelling that wrestling fans, at least for me have been thirsting for, for years where, some of the best shows ever, and we were talking about this off air, you can say in an elevator pitch, right? Breaking Bad. It's a chemistry teacher who has cancer that then wants to get enough money so that his family will be taken care of when he dies soon, right? But then you start watching the show and you're like, so why does the brother-in-law and, and Walter not like each other, but then they kind of do like each other? It's because of the complexities. And that's what you got with this fucking segment is on the surface, it was just... Yeah, it was just on the surface. It was guy gets kicked out of group, but then swerves them because he had a group ready the entire time. Okay, but if you would have followed each and every week of what MJF was telling you, this is the payoff. And it was with a group no one saw at all. Oh, oh. and Wardlow came out of this thing looking like a fucking monster. Dude, he destroyed everybody. It was Jack like he just sniffed fucking eight lines of coke before coming out there oh my god it was Which so he great did and good like, for him can we yeah yeah good for him right i will say i will say and i again i did not and i will never take credit or even say that i thought it was going to be that group however i did say i think to you or maybe to another friend i said like hey wardlow's not out there right he was the one missing and we did I thought Wardlow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I honestly thought it was going to be Wardlow stands up to uh, the inner circle. That's what I thought when they pushed him down, that Wardlow would jump in. He would be baby face and like MJF would be like, this is my savior. You know, and then do something where it's like Wardlow versus the inner circle. I never liked that group kind of thing. But fuck it. Was I wrong? 
But man, yeah, you're right. Wardlow looked like a fucking boss, but so did MJF to sit on the turnbuckle and just watch as like a king watching peasants or gladiators fight for his amusement. Just, oh. Yeah, I mean, they love Jericho bloody. Just. Oh, and the credit to Jericho. You know, Jericho, say what you want, but when he needs to hit a home run, he does. And that crawling to the baseball bat and MJF stepping on the foot and Jericho selling it as if he just had his hand broke. Oh my God. Sammy Guevara fucking his head going right through that chair by Sean Spears. The chairman still running with his gimmick. Everyone was on their game, man. I was so fucking pumped after that. Good job, AEW. Like <laughs> this, this is why you watch pro wrestling. How many times have I told I you, agree. like, yeah, when mm-hmm. when pro wrestling's great, fuck everything else, fuck the crown, fuck that goddamn Oprah interview with the Royals. I don't know what the fuck that was. Fuck any NBA game. Fuck the Super Bowl. All that shit. This is that fucking shit we're here for. God damn it. Oh, love it. This was so good, man. It was now, good. What, I agree. Now, what are we gonna call them? What are we going to call oh, MJF's no group? Clue. Yeah, I have no clue what you even... I here's, have no here's, idea. Because it's so out thing. of left field. There's no identifying yeah. theme. Yeah. Here's the thing I will say. I saw this online. I can't remember who said it on Twitter. If I if I think of it later, I'll at mention you on Twitter on at Table Show. But he said they should call him the Forced Horseman. The, the Forced Horseman? Because <laughs> it's like a forced group together, but yeah. then it's totally bland. I thought that was funny yeah. and cute. But yeah, yeah, I wonder, I'm uh, yeah. Just, hey, hashtag to the table. If you have some name ideas for this faction, use hashtag to the table. We might read them right here on the yeah. show. Uh, yeah, this was amazing. The ending was just uh, uh, magnifique. But there was even a uh, beyond that. There was some fun spots in this show throughout AW Dynamite, and I've got it up right here behind us. The Kenny Omega segment when he is leaning in to. So I mean, let's rewind and tell the whole story. I mean, John Moxley and Eddie Kingston give that amazing promo to mm-hmm. explain what happened. And I mean, this felt like, I mean, I've sat across from two dudes like this who are ready to kill somebody, maybe irrationally drinking, getting drunk and just like, no, man, I come from fucking hard times. You know what I mean? Like this was great. This was great. And then we flash forward to Eddie Kingston trying to stand up for himself, which he always does, you know, as, as all the guys are making fun of him. I love it. He comes out and he's like, one, two, three, four, however many he was like, yeah, fuck it. And he just mm-hmm. comes in anyway. I, I loved all this. And then, I mean, culminating in the 69 me, right? Like, Kenny Omega. 69 just, me, Don. Yeah, oh. 69 me, Don. Oh. Oh, side note, too. Yeah. Side note. I said this on our on our Twitter page, at Table Show. Mm. Uh, Kenny Omega, the most fashion-forward pro wrestler in all of wrestling right now. The Man, he's looking like he's going down the runways of Milan right now with those boots and those shirts. You, you going to wear that? I, I wish I, I could. Yeah, right. If, look, if I look like Kenny Omega, I'm wearing crazier shit than that. I'm not even wearing clothes some days. Like, fucking, you know what I'm saying? I look like this? No, fuck. That'd be great. I look like a fucking, you know, loaf of bread over here. Look at that guy. Right. It looks like a goddamn Coke machine <laughs> action figure. Um, but, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, 69 me, Don, when he, they make fun of him. Oh, what a... Because I don't think that was planned. Because initially he said north-south. Get get on me north south, and right, I don't think yeah. Don Callis knows what that position means because I don't think he's ever really wrestled. And then so he says sixty nine. Sixty nine. 
<laughs> what a great yeah god aw you know say what you want there have been some misses we, we we talked about some of them but as a whole it's the most fun i've had watching pro Anytime wrestling in pro wrestling in history so when we watch wwe and some of their best times you'll find misses all right i mean of course the fucking hand there's the you know i mean there's there's yeah all kinds for of, every yeah yeah, for every Stone Cold versus The Rock, there was a Beaver Cleaver trying to fuck his mom's angle that there they did too. So, yeah, right. there was a nail. Yeah, there was a. Um, uh, for every uh, rock, there was a nails. You know what I mean? That's a that could you be. I mean? that, that could be the head, right. uh, that could be the title right. of the, the right. uh, uh, episode. All right, so that was AEW. Tim, did you have anything else that you want to talk about before we move on? I don't think so. Uh, everything, uh, you're right. AW left me smiling big time this week. Yeah. So let's move into, uh, well, let's actually, do you want to go into the mm. impact story? Yeah. Real quick? Yeah. We yeah. got to discuss that. Right. So impact wrestling happens and impact wrestling happens. Right. I wouldn't say there's a whole lot to write home about. Not nothing terrible, you know, crazy stuff going on, but <clears throat> moose and rich Swanner in this feud and they both got these titles. They just reinstated the old TNA title, you know. And now it was Scott Demore announces, no, you two are going to wrestle. We're going to unify these, right? At Revolution, I think is what, what do they call their – it's not Revolution. It's fucking – I don't know. Sacrifice. Is it Sacrifice? They just did Sacrifice, didn't it? Whatever the know. fuck's coming up. <laughs> And they're gonna have the match, and the winner's gonna be the unified, whatever right? the 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 chance. They didn't even give it that name, but he says the winner of that is gonna take on at the next one, Kenny Omega, AW champion in a title versus title match. Now the caveat to that too is at the end, right? They cut out of that. Scott Demore walks off all pissed off, and they cut to Don Imus here. He's on the phone. He's like, "Hey, Kenny." Yeah, I just watched it. Yeah, it went down just like we planned. It's like, all right. And they hang up and go to black. So where are we going here? We're going to get Kenny Omega versus who? You think it's Moose or Rich Swan? I hope it's not Rich Swan for the fucking life of me. I don't like that guy at all. I'm not. I mean, like, Moose is not bad. But, like, Rich Swan. Oh, God. I don't want to watch any of that. So where do you think this is going, Tom? So one thing that dawned on me as I read Twitter comments about the impact news is that moose isn't Canadian and that's fucking dumb because all moose are Canadian. So that's a misstep by his name. Uh, mm, so that's right. One. So I don't, yeah, I don't want dumb. him to face. That's dumb. Yeah. yeah plot I don't want hole. him. Yeah, definitely a plot hole. So I don't want him to face, um, Kenny Omega for that reason. Now, Rich Swan would make the most logical sense because they already had a match where Rich Swan and Kenny Omega were in the match together. So they have the history, more recent history of impact champion versus champion. I think, though, this has nothing to do with impact wrestling. I think this has everything to do with Kenny Omega. I think... And I'm not the first one to say it, so I'm not going to act as if I'm, uh, you know, a prognosticator over here. But I think this is all leading to Kenny Omega, the belt collector, taking on the double champ, now unified champ over New Japan Pro Wrestling, his former golden lover, and they do champion versus champion there. Champ now champ versus champ champ. 
Right. Now, they unified the Intercontinental and Heavyweight Championship over in New Japan, so it's just one belt. But Kota Ibushi is their heavyweight champion. They obviously have the relationship, Kenny Omega and him. So I think Impact is honestly just a speed bump. How they get the title off of Kenny Omega after whatever they're wanting to do, I have no idea. But I think it's going to be Rich Swan to, to answer your question. And I think the Good Brothers turn into, I think what they're going to do is they're going to turn the Good Brothers into a 2021 version of RVD and ECW, where RVD was Mr. Monday Night, and I'm wearing the WWE Raw shirt, and I'm the Raw guy. I think the Good Brothers are going to be in Impact, but our best friends are over in AEW. Look at AEW, and they're heels by just saying, this promotion sucks. Great. I'm not looking forward to much of that. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it is interesting on paper. If you say every yeah. championship, every major championship is on the line, every major championship outside of WWE is on the line in a champion versus champion match. That's kind of cool. It just happens to be that these guys are dorks. But, <laughs> you know, it is still pretty cool. I like that they made some head waves in a very busy week of wrestling. So credit to Impact Wrestling for at least still giving us something to talk about after an episode of Impact. So credit to them. Okay. Well, then we can switch over to the WWE side of things. Uh, ha, let's get into some topics that I've picked out here, Tom. Let's do it. SmackDown has Apollo Crews acting as Nigerian royalty. With a racist accent? I'm going to assume the only way this gets greenlit is this had to be Apollo Cruz's idea? Because ha Right. right? So, so, okay. So, so this is going to sound... Let me on the front end say I'm trying not to have this sound as if it may sound to you, the listener, or the viewer if you're watching on YouTube. However... <laughs> I'm not trying to say, say what I'm about to say, all right? Well, no, I don't want it to sound as if I'm uh, mansplaining. That's what I'm I trying to I don't want this to sound exactly how it's going to sound. I, I, I just don't want it to sound like I'm a white guy explaining to everyone else how it is for these minorities, right? Like, I don't want to right. be that guy. Yeah. Let me explain to you about racism in America. <laughs> right. I'm right. not trying to do that. However, I do know friends and my wife even is aware of this issue where people that come to this country change their name. You right? do know have, friends? Yeah, I do know friends. I do know friends. All right, okay. I do know friends right. that that change their name for uh, yes. a, a, like, their name is whatever their native name is, but now they're David. Of course. Right? There's a, my so, wife works with several folks along the time who have, yes. They have a, a specifically folks from like India, that area of the country. They have a very hard right. to pronounce name in, in the English language. So they go, call me Bob. Yeah, exactly. And there's even African countries that mm -hmm. also do that where, uh, right. um, people from, from that area of the world come to America and then, yeah, they are Jeff or they are whatever. Mm -hmm. So the idea that Apollo Crews may have been putting on an accent to appease the white man, I can almost understand. My biggest beef, even though the accent wasn't great and I wouldn't have done it, I think that's a little bit too hard, right? Is that it's the laziest way to depict Nigerian culture. So Nigerian culture is just 
two black guys behind you in military gear and spears yeah. like it's hotel rwanda right like, in an accent like yeah yeah exactly like that's not nigeria that's like uh. yeah again i yeah. i can forgive even if he wants to change his name like he doesn't go by apollo cruz anymore he does a complete name change and he goes by what was his name on the independence it was like Uha nation or something like Uha that nation, or, i think yeah mm-hmm. yeah if he wants to change his yeah, name just do that right then well, i could be butchering the pronouncement the yeah, pronunciation of that we don't fact check here but if he wants to do that hey like i said i know people i do have friends that do that um and so i i'm behind that gimmick but man i think the most racist part was you're saying that's nigerian uh culture and it's just stereotypical you know uh movie things where the the black guys are oh, the so bad, bad people in the movies because that's then the worst. as as they linger with the camera too long which the wwe is real bad about right like promos over music's hitting they're so rigidly timed they're not going to cut away to anything else and they're just staring at him and he's got to act like he's still rambling and he just kept saying this is who i am this is what i am this is who i am it's like oh yeah now i really don't believe this is who you are right like that you keep having to say this mm-hmm. it was weird i didn't like it yeah i like the I, I will say i like the direction he's going because for the longest time he was just 50 50 nothing bullshit so hey at least it's something but yeah let's switch it up and not just say nigerian culture is obviously war and uh evil people like that's where i'm like eh, come on now Still on the SmackDown side of things, Daniel Bryan defeated Jey Uso in a cage match to get that world title shot, which he's not going to win. But is he going to work himself into the WrestleMania match? Is this becoming a triple threat? Yeah, I mean, I could see that. Because if he loses, let's say he loses, which we all think he will, Daniel Bryan's still a big enough name that he deserves or he will get a WrestleMania match. So then what would he do? Jay Uso, just him and Jay Uso one on one. They've done that a million times now. So I think this is leading to a triple threat match: Daniel Bryan, Edge, uh, Roman Reigns, so that Roman Reigns can 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 keep the belt. Edge still looks strong. He doesn't doesn't take the pinfall. But Daniel Bryan, he doesn't care. He'll lose to anyone. He's the one that loses, and then we still get a storyline going on after WrestleMania. That's my opinion. All right, Raw. Uh, we got a Shane promo, which is really bad. I don't even know how to describe this thing. Uh, yeah. What was worse, Tim? What was worse? Uh, right now, on the spot, what was worse? The dud of the explosion from AEW Revolution or the Shane promo? Right now, what was worse? The Shane promo was the worst <laughs> thing to sit through. That was miserable. What the fuck was that, Tim? It was really bad. I it felt like he, they've tried to explain it, um, but they tried to explain it as like we we planned it so he'll be less likable. Like he's already not likable, and you know that. No, he fucked up. He couldn't remember his lines. I think we may not be wrong in our cocaine thing. Thoughts? Wouldn't be Shane. shocked. Hey. There's a Chuck Liddell autobiography where he gives a shout out to Shane McMahon for being an amazing partier. So it's not like Shane doesn't have that reputation. That's all I'm saying. What the? 
But dude, what? How does even credit to Braun Strowman for not breaking character and be like, "What are you trying to do to me?" Like he was trying to help out Shane as much as possible. But good God! And then he just does the dumb that pisses off Braun, and then Braun just here's the dumbest thing about the okay the the promo itself was stupid as shit, right? But then let's go a little bit farther. So Braun chases a car that leaves the arena and then Braun was like, Oh, I guess he's gone. And then Braun turns around and goes back into the arena. And then we see Shane say, what a dummy. And then goes back into the arena. So do you not think you're going to run into him at catering? You fucking idiot. Like you're the dumbass. Yeah. It's a weird story. I didn't like any of it. I I don't like where it's going and it's not going to be good. All this is so Braun Strowman can throw Shane off of something tall. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You ain't lying. Throw That's him off the is. field goal post, right? That's Just get is. up on top of the That's field goal is. post and press him off of it. And then we got a rewind. Uh, we got... Drew versus Sheamus two. We got Miz versus Lashley two. Like they really were just like, yeah, run it back on Raw this week. Yeah, I. So I like the Miz. I like that they open with Miz Lashley. I like that. I like that too because then it can say, "Hey, Bobby really did beat his ass, right? Like he beat him on on Raw to win the championship." But let's move past this. There's the rematch. Miz is in the rearview mirror. We're going forward. Sheamus and Drew. Again, another stellar match. Little bit wonky finish with just, hey, let's put our stairs up to our heads and run into each other. The fuck is that? Um, but the match itself was really good before that moment. I think they're doing a last man standing at the yeah. pay-per-view. Again, I feel like Fastlane doesn't need to be there. It's the appendix of the pay-per-view schedule where you don't need it. It's not... it. You're just doing a last man standing match because it's a pay-per-view that we have to do something like it. Just get rid of it. I don't, yeah, I don't like any of it. Mm-mm. I don't either. Uh, also on raw, we're getting a, just more slow rolling of this fiend thing. I like AJ styles. I like how AJ styles is playing things now. Like he's because he's got almost like he's not scared of anything when he's like, no, nah, I'd call it weak. And he's like, yeah, you want to fight? All right, let's go do it. Like he's not afraid of Randy Orton at all. Like I like some of that. Um, but what does Styles do even? Like, I, I just, yeah, I, I I wish there was more meat to the Fiend, Randy Orton thing. Is it a Fiend thing? Like, what do we, you know, I feel like we're going to get an answer two weeks before Mania. And- mm-hmm. I agree. I think what we're doing with AJ Styles, uh, when you asked about that, I think we're doing a tag match. I think that's going to be the debut of Amos. I don't know who's who they're going to go up against, but I think this is the... Amos is a big fucking Will guy. Big Let's show him in action. Oh. Oh. Mm. Hey, fuck it. Have it be the Brothers of Destruction. You know, they're in for another fucking match. Uh, I'm kidding. Um, but I think I think that's what we're going to get. I think we're going to get AJ and Amos versus, I was going to say Miz and Morrison, which still could happen, uh, but someone of that caliber. I don't even yeah. know who the- Well, Miz and Morrison are doing a bad bunny, Damian Priest. You would think so, yeah. But yeah. again, I'm just saying someone of that nature. Even yeah. it could be cross brand. Oh, 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 oh. Tim, I'm so dumb. It's AJ Styles and Amos versus the New Day at WrestleMania. That's who it is. Kofi Kingston and Xavier Woods. There it is. Probably right. Uh, NXT side of things. Uh, the women's tag team titles. 
the NXT has the one now. And they gave it to the people who just lost the women's tag team title match. And then they just lost it immediately in the show. Don't get me wrong. If you're going to have a women's tag team title NXT, I like the idea of Ember Moon and Shotzi Blackheart having it. But this story was not a story. It sounds like you guys went, ah, shit, we should have done the tag team titles the other way. We can't do it now. Well, yeah. And then, you know, you know how you improve ratings, Tim. You just add more, more titles. Yeah, more well, belts. Listen to this. So I was looking on the WWE network on my phone, and I pull it up because I'm like, yeah, this is going to go away, right? Just looking through it. They have a champions page. 25 champions that you can scroll through, and that's not including the 24-7 champion. So there's 26 <laughs> fucks running around with a belt. <laughs> What in the world? 26 people run around with a belt in WWE. Now, I get there's three brands, but that means you're averaging over eight belts a brand. Does that include NXT UK? Yep. No, okay. So four. Okay. Four so brands. Then okay, still. Six. Okay. Meh. No, still. that's still I a mean, lot. So you're having te- yeah, that's a lot. I mean, but I guess if you're having women's and men's brand, maybe not, but... Yeah, it's a lot of champs. It's a lot of champs. Is, um, well, it's because they don't but, know how to tell any other story. That's the only story they know how to tell. I think what we're getting is Kai Gonzalez may be going away because at the end of like they're like upset. They're like, oh, I can't believe we, we lost these titles. Uh, Gonzalez is still like, no, it doesn't matter if we only held them for an hour. We're still all of a sudden. And then all of a sudden, standing there is Io Shirai, and she says, I want you. And that had me go, oh, because she says, you better watch out what you're asking for. And I like this idea. I'm not opposed to seeing and maybe, you know what I mean? Gonzalez maybe getting up there in that upper tier because she's got money written on her, right? Yeah. I, I a million percent agree with you. However, n- uh, not right now, right? She has potential, but if you're right. wanting me, if you're wanting me to invest in this storyline this week, I don't give a shit. Io Shirai is not captivating in a match. She is again, that, that NXT takeover match is going to be something I'm going to want to watch. But mm-hmm. getting there, I can fast forward through every fucking segment because yeah, it's yeah, not going to be good. Yeah, you know? be boring. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. And then we had Balor and Cole. And this storytelling here with Kyle O'Reilly coming out, watching the beat down, and then taking the boots to to Adam Cole and just O'Reilly. I love the very ending where O'Reilly's watching that. Or, or not O'Reilly, but... um. Uh, Balor, he's watching the whole thing going on. He's got the belt, and he's just like watching over. Like, yeah, those guys are fucked. And then he kind of, we don't see who's behind him, right? But he just looks back and he goes, "What took you so long, right?" And there's Karrion oh. Cross. Ah, oh, love that, love that. E- again, easier to do when you don't have crowds, right? Because we would have heard something's going on, but that still would have been pulled off. The 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 camera work of that was great, and you still could have pulled that off with a crowd. We would have known somebody was there. But we would have him been like, what took you so long? Like, he never looked back. So he instantly knew who it was without ever seeing who it was. That was the great storytelling part of that. That was a cool moment. That's a Mm -hmm. cool moment. Those are those really nice, well shot, easy, less is more sometimes moments to where now I'm in. You know, that's a great story. Another cool moment of this is when Kyle O'Reilly and Adam Cole are fighting, right? Adam Cole's doing the please don't hurt me, please don't hurt me, and goes for the nut punch. O'Reilly stops him and grabs that band and is like, this 
fuck that, right? That was a great part of that story as well. NXT came with it on the storytelling in that main event. I'll give them that. Yeah, the main event story, uh, excuse me, the main event segment was the best segment of the whole night. I was a big fan, and that's what you need to do, right? Leave them wanting more. Leave them, uh, it's how you leave them, right? The reason why Revolution is going to be kind of looked at as a joke, even though everything was uh, above average or great, was... That was a dud of an explosion. Yeah, and so they did an amazing job, NXT, that is, of closing out that show. I really like the what took you so long. And the Karrion Cross not even being – because Karrion Cross also did amazing where he didn't even go like, oh, you know who it is? It's like, yeah, motherfucker, it is me. Like, oh, Mm. yeah, that's good Mm. shit. That's some good shit. Okay, we're going to jump into a segment – that we love here. And this is where we reach out to you, the fans to get what your thoughts are, because we've talked for, I don't know, probably over an hour now, who knows, uh, about what we thought about it. And you love it. You love everything we have to say. You hang on every word, but we want to empower you. We want to give you a voice because your thoughts are probably good enough for, you know, I mean, some things are not as good as ours, but we want to highlight some of them, right? Maybe you'll get a little benefit out of it, right? And you do that by using hashtag tweet the table on Twitter. We've mentioned that throughout the show. That's very simple. Twitter, hashtag tweet the table. Or, or, if you can't tweet, you got too many thoughts, you can send us a long form email. And you do that at tableshow at gmail.com. And Tom, we have one of those from a returning Ooh. emailer. Who has not been on Spanish Announce Table Part 75.3.2. Reboot. Mm-hmm. Reboot. Uh, but we'll start with the Tweet the Table. So you ready for this? I am. At double A underscore WIR says, I say the loser has to watch the AdamPageWrestling.com video in its entirety without any breaks or skipping. When he's referencing uh, Tom lost the picks of AW Dynamite last week, uh, I beat him, which I always do, and we put stakes on it, and Tom has to do what? You have to acknowledge me as? You are the table chief. Mm-hmm. I am the table chief, the head of the Spanish dance table, uh, but that is a great suggestion. We may holster that one. if I. How long is it? Pun. Do you know? I think it's two hours. Oh, fuck. <laughs> Two hours, no skips, no breaks. You're if not was, pausing. You're not getting up yeah. to go into the bathroom. You better bring a drink with you and just watch it. Was, it. No, no phone. Uh, We're going to make like a no phones rule, uh, right? No phone, damn. nothing. Your wife's gone. You're in a room. And you're. we might even do like a little, like we're going to put you up on the green screen and, and put it behind you. And have you just talk about it as you watch it. Yeah? Because uh, you're going to lose geez. the next one. <laughs> you're going to lose. So we're going to get you right here. Oh, I love it. I love it. Good suggestion at AA. Next one up. One. That's a great one. Yeah. This is going to spark some conversation. At Devil Vamp, longtime friend of the show, says, hashtag tweet the table. Revolution was a five out of ten at best. And, Tom, I know you uh, had a poll about Dynamite. Uh, which we didn't discover, which we didn't talk about, but he said revolution was five out of 10. He says the women are still terrible. No one cares about some jobber signing that we haven't heard of. And the audio and sound mixing is still terrible. Two years in play the goddamn music so I can hear it. Now I'm a bit of an audiophile sometimes. And I don't think I, I would say I've noticed like AW isn't like, isn't putting out like, you know, DVD quality sound through the TV here. 
but it's never been so bad where I'm like, this is unwatchable, right? This isn't indie level stuff. So I, I guess I'm not feeling devil vamp on that. The women terribles is a, is a loaded word, right? We've said they're lacking in that department comparatively to other things. Um, I wouldn't say it's five out of 10. I feel like he's being very, very just like, Meh, I don't like this. Well, um, what would you yeah. give it if you now that you've had a couple of days to think about it? What Revolution? Would you give it? Oh, I'd, I'd give it a seven to eight, probably out of ten, which is damn good for this day and age. I think. Yeah, I would give it a, a seven and a half, and, and that's right. That's what I was about to say. Yeah, yeah, right, and the reason eight. why it wouldn't be an eight or a nine, and this is this is a criticism of just pro wrestling pay-per-views as a whole, but I don't need to watch Lord of the Rings quality length in my pro wrestling. I don't need three and a half hours. Two hours is great. If you want to make it because it is a pay-per-view three hours, make it a hard three hours, right? Have a hard stop at the top of the hour of your third of that third hour. Right. But when you start flirting with the three and a half, four hours, man, I'm exhausted. Like that's yeah, not, it's a lot. That's not that's too much. In, week out over and over again. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, it, Devil Vamp had a lot longer of a rundown on this, but, you know. Yeah, the women, I will say, you know, I think now it's starting to become a little bit more uh, more uh, on brand to say that the women in AEW suck, but I can name more distinct characters in AEW women's division than I can in WWE. What's the fucking difference between Sasha Banks and Bianca Belair? Tell me what the fucking difference is. Exactly. Yeah, there's not a whole lot, yeah. I can tell you the difference between Nyla Rose and Britt Baker, though. Tell me the difference between Mandy Rose and, and Dana Brooke. That's the same fucking person. I can tell you the difference between Sheeta and um, uh, Thunder Rosa. Like, and I get it. You can go down the, the the some of the rabbit hole there, but they do have distinct characters. So I wouldn't say it's the fucking worst, but it's not great. At J Summers three three zero, he chimes in and says, "How long until we get an all ego wrestling shirt?" At official ego hashtag tweet the table. Some other ones in there. Um, I still I, this all e all ego Ethan Page. I just don't like. I don't know that they've got the time to invest in another story to tell me who the fuck this guy is. I just don't. Here, here's the question I would ask Justin Summers, and I, I know he listens, so thank you for listening. Uh, send us or send me something that. Again, I've seen his evolved work. I'm very familiar with his matches, Darby Allen. I know of the North. Uh, I know of that match with the that he did with himself to leave Impact Wrestling. I guess, what am I missing? Send me the the highlight clip or something of like why not just you, but the general IWC is so high on this guy because I'm not seeing it, and it could just be me, but like. It's just, I don't think it's just you because I'm not seeing it either. But again, I, admittedly, I, I haven't watched the whole catalog, so that's what know, I'm saying. I don't I, know the emotionality maybe. behind it, but I I just don't view when I see him, you know, jerk that curtain and walk out, and I'm like, oh yeah, here's somebody with, you know, what I mean, something I need to pay attention to. I just don't get that feel. Well, and I even listened to him on Burt Kreischer's show. He did Burt mm. Burt Kreischer's podcast, and I, even then, I was like. He was going as Julian and he was t talking about pro wrestling and kind of the ins and outs with Bert because Bert doesn't know shit about wrestling. Uh, and even then I was just like, yeah, okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that was your time to shine and tell me how big of a wrestling fan and all that stuff. And I kind of left going, all right, well, 
that's that guy. So Justin Summers, I would task you if you have the time or if you're willing, uh, send us what I'm missing about Ethan Page because I, I just don't see it yet. At WIR Cata says, Penta with the mask and paint combo in a suit looks like a badass. Hashtag tweet the table. I like this. Yeah, if we're ever making a villain wrestler and in the next action movie, it needs to be Penta because that was fucking awesome. Can you imagine that guy fighting Batman? Like, that's what I want to see. Penta as a evil villain in the next action movie is something I get behind. That guy looked like a million dollars at the Spanish announce table. Maybe in his match with Cody, he goes through the fucking Spanish announce table. Let's do that. Mm, I like that idea. Okay. It's time for an email. We haven't done one of these in a few weeks. Um, this guy has yes. decided to hashtag be like John Batten uh, and email the show. But it's not John Batten. He's being like John Batten. And okay. He's emailing the show. And you too can do that. Tableshow at gmail.com. And this one says, hey, yo. What's going on, fellas? It's the return of your friendly neighborhood, Kata. Yeah. It's been an eternity since I've contacted this fine show, but I need to get something off my chest. Jim Ross. Now, I know good old JR has been copping flack for quite some time now, and I think we can all agree he's no longer the Jim Ross of the late 90s. Hell, even the late 2000s. But I'm going to do something that not a lot of people do anymore, and that's defend Jim Ross. Before I get further into this email, Tom, what's your initial thoughts here? Uh, you shouldn't. You shouldn't. <laughs> you shouldn't do it. I don't think yes, it's a wise I choice. I don't know that you're going to successfully <laughs> do what you say you're about to do. <laughs> but, uh, hey, he see. says, all right, back to Kat's email. He says, they say wrestling fans are the best fans in the world, but I cannot disagree more. Especially this weird elitism between WWE stars or stands and AEW stands, right? Uh, who can only watch one product and shit automatically sh on the other one, right? Now, I know JR isn't perfect. Mm -hmm. He's only human. Mm -hmm. I don't mind the flubs. Does he say the odd, very stupid thing once in a while? Yeah, but overall, I enjoy his work. But mm -hmm. holy shit, why the chocolate fudge are there so many of these so-called amazing wrestling fans shitting on JR during the start of the Revelation uh, Revolution pay-per-view for losing his voice? How about a bloody thank you for powering through the pay-per-view instead of tagging him in tweets bitching about his voice and asking why he's working with COVID? If I were to wager everything I owned, I'd say Tony Khan asked JR if he would be good to call the show out of respect to the man instead of instantly benching him, and JR ever the trooper told him he would power through. Which is probably right. Good thing his voice came back halfway through the show. Secondly, okay, well, let's pause there. Uh... That's true. His voice did kind of come back, so I, you know what I mean? Um, it wasn't as bad as how it started, right? Um, the only thing is, like, JR should also know, and so should Tony Khan, like, hey, do you want to power through? It's different than, like, it's going to sound bad on TV. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, it's going to sound I, well, bad. Well, and, and, you know, they have done, I think back to early on in the pandemic, they did the... Uh, empty arena. I think it was no holds bar match between John Moxley and Jake Hager with Jim Ross as the sole commentator on that match. That is where Jim Ross would need to power through because he was advertised 
to be the one sole commentator on that match. That is a that is an example of all right, you got to suck it up. We've said for a week or however long it was, you're going to be the one calling it. When you're doing an a in a very important pay-per-view like Revolution, you need to be all hands on deck. We're all at this at 100%. If you're even a little bit feeling under the weather, get the fuck out of here cuz like Cat had mentioned, we are still in a pandemic. Hey, bud, if your fucking immune system's not great, maybe you might catch COVID and now we're in a real shit situation. So if you got a sore throat, stay at home. It wasn't that he was the advertised voice of AEW for this night. It could have easily just been Tony Schiavone and Excalibur. You get Golden Boy or whoever it is to do the commentator, like or commentating. That's where I would have had Jim Ross in that role is, yeah, you can sit this well. one out. Then he says, secondly, the during the AEW countdown to Revolution, which is called the buy-in, uh, JR was quoted as saying, I know very little about the exploding barbed wire death match other than seeing them involve Terry Funk. Which, of course, led to keyboard warriors swarming to Twitter to crack jokes and bury the guy about not being clued into that type of match. Well, of course he wouldn't be clued into that type of match. He came from companies that have never done one before, you turkey tit idiots. These are his words. Uh, him saying that Love made sense to me because a the match type is rare which is one of the selling points and b we know where jr has come from and even after a nearly 50 year career in wrestling overall he's never called one of those matches before i appreciate the honesty instead of him spinning some bs about knowing everything about it before i, I go mm-hmm. can i just say that final explosion though yikes that went off like Theo's excitement for a Randy Orton match. Anyway, sorry for the long email, but it's still good to see you guys are still here. Uh, are still good to still hear from you guys after all these years. Excuse me. Kata, out. Um, yeah, look, JR, I just don't think you should be in that position anymore to be calling the matches. I, I just think the time is gone. It'd be one thing if he changed his is euphem or not as euphem but just his sayings and stuff he's still saying the same things but even at that mm-hmm. he'll repeat himself a bunch. like he, he's gotten the old man itis which happens to us man you know what i mean like that happens it, and it's that's just, fine right yeah like yeah right now patrick mahomes let's just use a sports analogy patrick mahomes is the quarterback for the kansas city chiefs he is out of this world, amazing, good, arguably the best quarterback in the league, right? Eventually, he's going to get to an age, though, where he can't make the throws or he can't, uh, you know, run the the four-minute offense, things of that nature. So he's going to have to take a back seat to whoever the next person is in line. And I think, going back to Jim Ross, he's in that state where it's he can't do the matches in and out and not sound stale or repetitive. So someone else needs to be brought into that role. He can still be an advisor. He can still coach. You could still take tape and present it to him and he could critique it and say, these are the areas that you're doing great. These are the areas you're doing bad. I don't think we just need to shove him out of pro wrestling and say like, get the fuck out. But AW is an emerging brand trying to make all eyes on them for all the right reasons. And when you got, Jim Ross oogling and googling over Penelope Ford when she's doing the wedding angle, man, that's not in 2021 anymore. We got to get you 
off and doing something else. And that's where I think we are with Jim Ross. I will say to Kata's comment, though, about pro wrestling fans being the worst, uh, I will one-up that because I believe all people are the worst. I think you're going to find that, uh, and they're also the best, but you're going to find that in any uh, interest you have. MMA fans are the worst, right? I can show you plenty of people that sit on couches, fat as shit, calling fighters pussies for not powering through a, a guillotine choke. So um, I just think that's a general quality amongst anyone uh, in, in whatever your interest is. You're going to find that group of people that are just pieces of shit. So that's my two cents. Yeah. Yeah, people are pieces of shit. That's Tom's two cents to leave the Spanish <laughs> announce table. Um, I mean, I, unless you got anything else to add to that, Tom. I mean, this was a fun week of wrestling revolution. It know, was a it, fun week. It was a even fun with week. the botch. It keeps people and, and, talking. So, and Tim, Tim, I want to say before we end this show, thank you, thank you for being mm. the mm. leader of the table nation, mm. the leader of the Spanish announce table. And yeah, and I do this table for you, chief, and, and the table chief. This is a lot of pressure. You are my, you are my hero, Tim. Thank you very much, my table chief. The Spanish announce table.